Hello and welcome back to the F24 podcast. My name is David and as often as possible, I have a creative come over to my studio in North Acton to talk about their lives and interactions with London, culture and creativity. Seems to be in a bit of a role, back on the podcast game and lining up interviews left, right and centre, working on that work and life balance daily. Got a couple of good clients though, that's making it easier I must say. This week, Marcus Barnes, an author, music journalist and graffiti artist. His graffiti name's been in my vision for about 15 years now. A prolific train writer from South London. We met a couple of times over the years, but never properly, and having him come round here was super dope. The last time we spoke was at Asset's funeral, and I talk about it towards the end of the podcast. That conversation really made me want to know more about him. He just had this air, man, and I was just like, geez, I know he's been through a lot. I want to, I want to talk to him. So really grateful he came round, and he shared his story with us really openly. Dope chat. Another great insight to a creative's life and path so far. We get through loads from his really interesting upbringing full of inspirational people, finding graffiti and the moral grounds he had to explore in order to do it, his working life, experiences with lad mags all the way through to the Daily Mail, and his massive passion for music. We also chat about his pointless and yet extensive court case brought upon him by Colin Saso and the BTP for his publication of his magazine Keep the Faith. He's travelled the city and a lot of the world, Painting Trains with some of the best, been a big part of our culture through his magazine and other efforts which you'll hear about, and now writes beautifully about music, mainly for Mixmag, but he writes everywhere else as well too. It was a real dope chat, I loved it loads. I'll tell you more about him at the end of the podcast, but for now, go and check him out at M Golden Barnes, M-G-O-L-D-E-N-B-A-R-N-E-S, on Instagram whilst you listen. Enjoy. This is F24. Well, look, let's um, <laughs> let's start at the beginning. All right. Yeah. So, where are you from? Where did you grow up? I was born in Croydon. Yeah. Yeah, I was born in Croydon. Uh, I was there till I was six. Lived with my mom and my nan and my uncle. Uh-huh. Uh Back then, a lot of people, <laughs> if you you mention Croydon to people nowadays, they think, "Whoa, that place is rough." It wasn't that bad back, back in then. the early eighties, man. Mm. It was a, it was still kind of like a suburb. Yeah. In actual fact, our postcode was Surrey. It wasn't even London. Yeah. So you know, I was born in Surrey, um, and it was just nice, man. I was probably, I mean, my school was quite diverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a good school. Uh, so it was just primary school down there, though. Yeah, so I was yeah, so I did nursery infants and then left when I was six. Mm-hmm. So I started primary school oh, when yeah, my mum moved to Broccoli. Oh right. So we left yeah, she was I think she just had enough of just living at home with her mum and her brother. She yeah. just wanted to get her own place. All the rest of there's my mum's one of seven. Oh wow. So all the Fuck others enough. apart from my uncle Stephen, who I lived with, mm-hmm. all of them had moved out. Right. So I think my mum just wanted to get her own place. Um, and there was the when she was pregnant there was the option of squatting with her sisters in like Camberwell nice but I think she was like nah I love that I think I'll stay at home I'm pregnant <laughs> so um, so yeah till I was six I was down there man it was it was such a great environment to grow up in because I had my uncle who was I guess in a way like my replacement dad because my dad weren't around yeah but then not really a dad he was more like an older brother yeah uh, he was like I think he was 20 when I was born, so... Oh, even better. Yeah, so he he was wicked, man. He was really funny, and it's really funny now because my nephew is also... Well, he's... No, he's, he's 13, so he's 24 years younger than me. But wow. our relationship 
in a way, it was kind of similar to mine with my, my uncle. Okay. And actually, even funnier than Great that... Great to learn from. My nephew grew up in a household with his mum, nan and uncle as well. Yeah. Yeah, so there's like with this weird mirror situation that's going on and also my sister's nine years younger than me and so his his sister's nine years younger Fucking than him hell. yeah so this is anyway that's, that's why it was set up in it yeah it's you really got changed without even realizing i suppose yeah to be it's, this uncle and so um so yeah I, it was it was just a lovely environment to grow up in man it wasn't really it wasn't it wasn't as rough as Croydon is now to put it mm. that way we lived like f- five minutes from a couple of parks I was always going to the park to walk the dogs with my uncle um, our neighbours were this um, Jamaican family it was this guy called Bev and his family they'd just be like booming out reggae every day and my house would be complaining about it but then my mum would be booming her own reggae in her room <laughs> <so like. laughs> um, it was wicked man my school was good you miss I, it then when you left yeah, it was funny actually. I've I hadn't even given this much thought yeah. up until about a year or two ago, and um, I went to this like sort of weird, not weird. I went to this kind of like spiritual, not not necessarily counselling, but it was kind of based around like uh, like spirit medicine. Yeah, and me and my missus went last year, uh-huh. and um, at the end of the session. The woman that hosted it. Actually, she's just down the road. That's the last time I was up this way. Oh, is it? Yeah, just, um, just around Kensal Rise. The woman, Angel, she was like, uh, you, you, um, you hold on to things. I can see that you hold on to things. And she was like, you, I think you're angry. What are you angry about? Think about it. Just say the first thing that comes out of your mouth. And I was like, don't know, my mum. <laughs> and she was like, why, why do you think that is? And yeah. then I started like trying to like... Unravel. Yeah, and it basically... What it was, was that I was angry at my mum for moving us out of that house and it wasn't my choice. And mm. we'd moved to Broccoli and I felt unsafe. I was out of this protective environment with my nan and my uncle mm-hmm. in a new place. New school. And yeah, new school. And six, you're really aware. Yeah. You're really aware. Big time. And you're aware that you can't make the decision as well. Yep. No matter how much you're aware of your surroundings and yep. your yeses and nos and what you'd like and not like, you, ain't, you can't say shit, especially in decisions like that. Of course, of I'll course. You, I'll tell you what happened, though. The, that, when we went to look at that flat, my mum and my auntie went in to like, have a look around, and I was on my bike, and I was just riding my bike around outside the front gate. And it's, a, it's the Honor Oak Estate in Broccoli. So uh-huh. it's like, again, Broccoli... So where Croydon was nice and it went shit, yeah. Broccoli was shit and it went nice. Yeah. When I tell people that I grew up in Broccoli, they're like, oh, wow, such a nice part to see. Nah, no, <laughs> not, not then. then. No. So, um, so I'm riding my bike up and down and this kid comes running up to me with this plastic sword and just starts whacking me with it. And he's like, give me a go, give me a go. And I just ran into the flat crying because I'm, I'm yeah, six. And I'm what like, the fuck? What the hell's going on here? That's never happened. And like run into my mum's arms like crying and stuff. She's like, oh, what happened? And I told her and we still moved into that flat. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess... You carry trauma walking in there. Yeah. So I guess like... You know, in a in a roundabout kind of way, I I'd never given this any thought, and I don't even know, you know, even if you like did hypnotherapy on me, if you took me back to that point, I don't know if I'd be angry at my mum mm. consciously, but subconsciously, obviously, I, there was some kind yeah, of like. I don't trauma think it's about. Well, it's probably not about consciousness because this is why, you know, bringing a kid into the world is a massive, massive undertaking, mm. and. Like Josh came on this planet by mistake. Mm. It's been I felt I've carried guilt about it for years, and anyway, the point being is that 
because every, everything that happens to them along the way it, it leaves a mark yeah and so yeah it, there is a connection there about oh I don't like mum because she done this mm. It's not like a point in the finger. Oh, mum, you horrible for doing that. It's just that that one incident that yeah. left a scar, and you were involved in it. But there's this and this and this. You probably there's another reason why you want to chat to your mum or get to the bottom of this thing with mum. But yeah, these weird. these these things that happen to us. And I talked to Josh actually recently about like emotional trauma and emotional things that can happen. Be, be careful about where you place yourself because you can't do it as a kid as such. But emotional tra- trauma is just as harsh as getting beaten up. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And putting totally. yourself in a position that you shouldn't be in or wouldn't be in. Um, there are so many different tiny bits to hurting someone. Yeah, man. Which leave a fucking, just leave a mark. Definitely. That really do. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. It yeah, baffles me. It really just like how much a word can fucking, you know, destruct a life for many, many years if you don't deal with it. Yeah. So <laughs> like, so, you know, it was just... It's just the two of us for a while, and I got on. I got on well at school. And the other thing that was um, that affected me back then was, unfortunately, I was born with eczema, right? Yeah. And I think now that my eczema is related to having a lactose intolerance, mm-hmm. but nobody would have known that at the time. Not so in the there's 80s. me like backing off loads of milk in my breakfast, <laughs> milk here, milk there, getting into tea, <laughs> <laughs> and I and I had uh, like eczema all around my mouth. So like all the kids were like, what's that round yeah. your mouth? Yeah. You turn up at a brand new school yeah. and you got that on your round your mouth. You're fucked. Forget about it. Yeah. No so, understanding back then either, man. I'm, I'm not at school. Different now, but yeah. Even parents would be pulling their kids yeah, away yeah, from yeah. me sometimes. And you know, like that gives you like a massive complex. Yeah. So like, so there's me fresh out of Croydon in Broccoli, you know, all this stuff's going on. But at the same time, I'm doing well at school. Uh, I do end up having some friends. You know, I wasn't necessarily getting bullied. No, but no, kids but it was, were, kids were it was so different. That was the main thing yeah, to yeah. what you'd been through. Yeah, growing up in this place, and this is so different. Completely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, as everyone has, there are, there are like troubled times, but there are lots of good times as well. I was going to my granddad's every weekend. He was taking me and my cousins to the seaside every weekend. We were going to like, so he lived in Croydon as well. So he lived in East Croydon. He would take us down to like Bognor, Littlehampton every single weekend without fail. So we were so lucky, man. Like this guy would like just, you know, out of the goodness of his heart would let us stay every weekend. So my mum and my aunties could go and party and we'd just go to the seaside. We were so, we were so happy. And getting out of the city as well, seeing, seeing more than the city and every weekend. Amazing. Yeah, man. And we'd go like, there was one time he took us down to this, um, down near Addiscombe, there was like this disused railway, mm. and he like basically just like took us through like a gap in the fence. Yeah. And we went walking up, and the police pulled him up and said, "Where are you going with these kids?" Yeah. And I swear, I, I'm I'm not sure if this is like a false memory, but I'm sure he just told them to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> these are my grandkids. I'm taking them up here. Yeah. Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Old school. And then we ended up on these tracks, and we walked for like five miles down Which the tracks is, through like pitch black tunnels yeah. with our torches. What an adventure. Yeah, it was nuts. And um, we did loads of stuff like that with him. So hanging out with him was wicked because he just taught us to 
be a, li- a little bit more fearless of the world. Yeah. If like if we went to some random pub in Bognor or wherever and some kids were racist to us, he'd just tell us to go and hit them. We'd go, Grandad, they called us this or that. Go and fucking hit them one then. Because he was like yeah. half Irish, used to work on the roads. To be fair, wasn't that good a dad's or husband, but right. he was turned into a good granddad's. Yeah. But he was mates with all the like the Jamaicans and just he was just a bit a little bit of a face around Croydon in a yeah, way wicked. knew a lot of gangsters from East London yeah. and he was a boxer in the Navy man and oh, he was wow. just like he was just like if anyone gives you any trouble just this go and hit them yeah. <laughs> so, believe me it works yeah. <laughs> one of them ones <laughs> yeah he was a, he was a bit of a no nonsense person with that kind of stuff so yeah he was a bit of a ledge so like you know I had, had quite a balanced upbringing really wicked. you know like Fatherless, but my mum made up for that by just being there, giving me everything that I needed. Mm. My nan was very encouraging, especially when it came to education. Brilliant. Had my great great aunt, like my nan's aunt, Auntie Fee. She was a teacher and she was just amazing, man. She was just so kind of like encouraging when it came to, like, she would always go, she was into walking yeah you should go out walking when you're like even when i was 12 i'd be like yeah i'm gonna go walking walking where yeah what what? (laughs) now i love going walking and whenever i walk i think of her you know like she she was a very important person in my life as well so all these characters were kind of like in the mix just like you know helping me to sort of grow yeah Yeah. man so was your mum young i'm getting that impression yeah she was 22 when she had me okay right so yeah she was she was the first actually no sorry so my my uncle kevin but he was like he was in a marriage and stuff and yeah. a bit more traditional he had my cousin nikki who's like a year older than me mm-hmm. but then after that it was my mum, who was 22 when she had me yeah so yeah. she was the first and then all my aunties followed uh there's my cousin nathan he's a year younger than me and then there was another one a year later and then wicked in family's the end, big then yeah my family's on my mum's side my family's massive yeah I've just become attached to my dad's family. Yeah. I met my dad for the first time last year. Wicked, fucking hell. His family is even bigger. Where's he from? He's from Jamaica. Yeah, massive family. Yeah, his his mother, who was my grandmother, she's not around anymore, was one of 11 kids. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> my, and then, so my nan and my granddad on my mum's side had seven kids. So that's massive. So there's... You're t- you're, yeah, you're... You're in the 50s, 60s, and like first cousins and that, like proper big numbers. Yeah, man. It's crazy. There's my nan, by the end of this year, my nan will have 27 great grandkids. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's massive. But it was wicked for us, man. Of course. It just sounds amazing. Every time my mum, like, this is one of my most enduring memories from my youth is my aunties coming round, they just get the stereo on, whack on some reggae, loud. And then it's all us kids just running around, like playing with each Being other. Just left just, alone. Yeah, all the cousins yeah. just hanging out. There's enough for you to look after each other. Yeah, man. Yeah. Fighting, having good times, yeah. whatever it was. But like, we always had, we always had people to play with, man. And so, was that a constant throughout you, you being a kid? Pretty Most much? of the time, yeah. up until probably about like maybe like my early teens. And that's when you have your own friends more yeah and freedom and, and then most of us cousins didn't see each other for like a, good, a few years yeah especially all being around the same age yeah so a year or two out whatever but yeah just you would have all gone off and found a thing yeah man so what happened then um with things you got into in primary school or even secondary like because that, that type primary school is too young to really people do find 
their hobbies at that age as well. <laughs> I remember but. trying to like copy um, on Blue Peter, they would do like pay- recycling paper. Yeah. So I went through this period of like, I was a bit of an obsessive of everything. Okay. So I like, I was trying to like recycle paper, make my own recycled paper. And it ended up being like three, me- three centimeters thick. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be trying to dry it with the hairdryer. And, and, then, um, and then I was trying to like collect ants from the garden and I was, but I was putting them into like spice pots and not realizing <laughs> that like the vacuum was going to kill them because they needed oxygen. Like weird stuff like that. I was a bit of a weird kid. I was trying to, there was a time when I was like trying to make my own butter, but like, cause I, at school they taught us that there was this churning machine. So yeah. I was like trying to like shake, shake this <laughs> bottle of milk to make my own butter. All this <laughs> weird hours. stuff, man. Yeah. I was, a, I was, a, I mean, I'm weird now, but I was even weirder as a nine year old man. Kids. Nine, ten years old, I was... My mum must have... I mean, you know, therapy is, like, quite a common thing nowadays. Yeah. I'm sure she probably... If it was now, she would have gone, you need to go you and see someone. To, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then I was a little... I was kind of, like, a little bit violent at times. But I think that's kind of, like, lack of a male role model slash frustration yeah. slash, like, you know, early trauma and stuff. But most of the time, I was just doing all these weird things and then excelling at school. Wicked. By t- by the time secondary school came around, that's when um, well that's when graffiti first came into my life as a as a concept as something that was put into context because yeah. at school we did the the S with like yeah. I've, I think other people have spoken about yeah. this on the podcast the, the universal S, S. exactly <laughs> and that's worldwide that's yeah really man amazing yeah so like I remember doing that when I was about ten yeah third year at second at um, primary school but. It's mad because there was, there was graph all over Broccoli, but I just didn't know what it was. I was intrigued by it, but I didn't know what it was yeah. at all. I couldn't read it. It was there. I was aware of it. And it wasn't until, and I can remember this, I was thinking about this on the way up here and I thought about it quite a lot. I remember the exact moment when my, one of my best friends at school came over to me at, in our tutor room and went, do you know what tagging is? And I was like, nah. And he'd done, done a tag. His tag was super D. Yes. Like super equals D. Yeah. His, he, his name didn't even begin with a D. I don't <laughs> even know why. <laughs> he just picked it up. It just sounded good. Super one. D. So he just done a super D tag. And that was it. The mad thing is, we're going to talk about my court case a little bit. The, the operation that BTP launched against me was called Operation Pandora. Yeah. And I always say, even before the whole court case kicked off, that moment at school was like Pandora's box being opened. Like, literally. That's crazy. Yeah, like, literally, all that stuff that I'd seen, like, on the bridge, walking to secondary school, you know, on, on like, the doors of, like, electrical boxes, on pillars, on, you know, all over my state. Yeah, just had no fucking clue what it was. And then all of a sudden, do you know what tagging is? That's it. Boom. I know what it is. I understand that it's names. And then as soon as I knew it was names... I started being able to read it and then I started going, oh shit, that name's there, that name's there, that name's there. I'm getting the bus down to Croydon to go to my nan's. Regrets everywhere. How's this guy gone all the way from Broccoli to Croydon? And his tag's all there. And then we're getting the train up and down the the railway lines going to, because my nan moved down to the South Coast, but my uncle kept the house. Okay. But he had a girlfriend down on the South Coast as well. So he was going down. So we were going to look after the house at weekends. Fest, Choke, Re, Memo, FRF, RCS, all these like up and down. And I was just like, now how the it. hell are these and people I- <laughs> everywhere? This is crazy. And I'm the like, medium they're using as well. Yeah. Because those early years, remember, like your marker pen would be like a two, like a one centimeter one, if that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
and yeah. trying to figure out how the fuck they did 30 mil tags or whatever it was yeah I just yeah because I, I know that's, that's a, yeah that's a whole other thing man. Yeah, yeah. like you see these thick drippy tags what the they blockbusters. yeah how the fuck and then like you know like when you first there was um, our secondary school Crofton it was in Catford and um when we did uh, PE, sometimes when we were doing athletics, we went to the running track at Ladywell. And at the end of the, well, not at the end of the track, but when we were doing 100 metres, right in front of us, there was this, there was this big wall and it had a, had a Reggie and a choke, no, Reggie and a cone, sorry. And the Reggie, or the, I think it was either a Reggie or a Regret, was so bright. It was just so Popping. bright and bold. And then there was a cone next to it that was grey. And they just, I think they was amongst some of the first dubs I'd ever seen. And, and this is all around the same time as you've seen your mate showing you Super D tag. Yeah, man. So, like, so as soon as he flicked that switch, you know, just you got all it. of it. Yeah, Their just names. got it. And then, and then I was just completely just like, I just want to do that. I was just practicing tags all the time. My tag was Article Don. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Article done because I was into Snow. Do you remember Snow? Who yeah, did it yeah, former? yeah. I, I had his album, and he used to always go. Article done. <laughs> so I was did like, you? "Oh wow!" I used to love done. Snow. I love that. Wicked. <laughs> I, I meant. I said. I spoke about that in court, and my missus was cracking up. <laughs> the judge told her off. He was like, "Can, can, the, can the woman in the public? <laughs> can she just? Can you behave yourself?" And I was like, "I because I actually." I actually did like my impression of snow in in court. <laughs> I, I, was just, I was off on one, like yeah, similar to how we're talking now. Like my when I was in the the witness, I was in the witness stand for like two and a half days. Fucking and, hell! Um, my barrister was the first one to cross examine me. Yeah, and he just like he just he just said to me, he just went in the prep for going up there. He was just like, just be yourself, just be yourself. We wrote out like a little bit of like a potted kind of biography of yeah. my life. And then when I was up there, he just, he cross-examines me about my life. It's kind of like, as what's going yeah. on now? So like, when I'm talking about when I first started doing graffiti, I was they like, yeah, yeah, snow, you know, snow, no, 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 no. article <laughs> done. And my missus was just like, <laughs> I can't believe we just did that. <laughs> in front of a jury of 12 people and Mr. Serious Judge and the prosecution. But, you know, when once you start losing yourself yeah, and yeah, talking yeah. about things, I mean, that was literally within the first 10 minutes of being in there. So, but it, it helped, I guess, that I, um, you know, the first person to cross-examine me was my barrister, who was, you know, has pretty much become a mate of mine now. Mm. So, like, you know, he made me feel at ease enough for me to just slip into that. It's good it was that way round. Yeah, I, I believe so. I believe so, man. So, yeah, so, like, you know, that... First tags, etc. That was just, yeah, that was... Um, I was just practising and practising and practising all the time. But I, it's funny because in that in that time I didn't understand I, I understand graffiti as tags and names mm-hmm. hadn't heard the term dub or anything or piece Pro-up or anything piece, like that yeah. yeah I didn't know any of that um, and I thought that everyone who did tags was in a gang I thought cause, because at, at that time I don't know what it was like in the rest of London but we had you know, the, you know like you, you know there's all this stuff about stabbings and gangs and stuff now and all these kids, the equivalent of the gangs that they have now, what we had in, in the 90s, was the same because they were doing a lot of robberies. They were fighting each other, stabbing each other. A few of them had guns. There was, mm. you know, the equivalent going on. But they also had hand styles. They were tagging up. 
and then some of them even did dubs. See, that was uh, uh, that was only South though. Really, from what I know, mad. Yeah, but I, I heard about that. Yeah, and then I remember getting approached by Rude Boys in the in the nineties from South. There were Rude Boys out there, but they, and I was bombing. They were like, "Let me have a go," and they and I'm like, "What?" Yeah, man. Not good. It wasn't great, but they had the name. They had us, and they were up for bombing. It's crazy. Yeah. So if. If you ever get a chance to speak to to name twenty six, right? Oh, yeah, he 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 was one of my idols when I was like prop getting into graph a bit on the more more of a proper tip. Yeah, if you ask him about Peckham boys, I'm sure he he knew a lot of Peckham boys because he was he was living in Peckham, I yeah. think. And he was like, you know, his tag was next to people like there was like a guy called Mash, uh, there was like Tipsy, uh, there was a guy called Tem T E M. And all of these, all, so they were YPB, Young young Peckham Boys. Right. And then there was a splinter park called NPB, North Peckham Boys. In our area, we had YBM, Younger, Bro- Younger Broccoli Massive. Okay. And then there was New Cross slash Deptford, which was Young Ghetto Boys, YGB. Mm-hmm. Skits, Skits went to my school. Um, Stepper, there was another Tipsy. Um, oh, I forget some of the and names. These, but- these weren't looking to do dubs, though. These were just tagging skits done it's so weird to talk about it now but skits did a dub yeah <laughs> and i remember seeing it uh tem had a dub uh sort of around the back of where my cousin lived um but they weren't like you know prolific dubbers no. but they were doing dubbers they were doing a lot of tags yeah and their tags were they were decent man they Thank had you. some decent hand styles and there was almost a little bit of a crossover and this is why i think i was a little bit confused because some of the actual writers sometimes would be up with these yeah these gang guys so like there was a guy from south called scream who was mm-hmm. in rcs and i'm oh, sure yeah. he would be up with like skits and he'd be up with some of the ghetto boys and he he was putting up i can't remember what the crew was but i'm sure he was putting up the same crew as some of the some of the ghetto boys had this other crew that they put up so, maybe even more confusing yeah but like i just i just thought everyone that did graph was in a gang and it wasn't until um so the guy who showed me tagging in the first place, Andrew, him and my other mate in my class, Russell, it was just the three of us were just kind of the ones that were like really into graph. Yeah. And I was the kind of good boy. And they would go out like robbing, but not like not like graph racking or anything. They'd just go out and like rob food, rob drinks. Yeah. Russell was like a prolific, like he would go up to Hackney and like him and his mates would like bundle into the Burberry warehouse and like just, yeah, they were like on that. Them ones. Like them, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like just the next, I remember him coming into school in his Burberry Mac inside out with the check. <laughs> Flossy. Yeah, and I, everyone was like, what? Flossy. Yeah, he was, that guy was on the, another level. He ended up going to jail, obviously, yeah. for like armed robbery, but like. Okay, it got deeper. Yeah, he's. He's on the he's on the straight and narrow now, but um, yeah, it was just the school was school in South. I mean, school anywhere in in London in those days was just yeah. nuts, man. Like everyone was wearing designer gear, mosh, gap hats in, inside out. Yeah, yeah, pattern this, pattern that. You know, iceberg the 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 tag still on it. Yeah, and like you know, for me, I wasn't I wasn't really that that wealthy. Like my mom was on the dole, so I was having to like save up my four pounds a week pocket money yeah. for 10 weeks to go to Paul Smith sales shop because Paul Smith was mm-hmm. my f- favourite designer just to get a, a discounted pair of last season's jeans but as, at least I had yeah. them you know like, down on that side street <laughs> yeah. South Moulton yeah, yeah, yeah man That's, that was my spot when I was like 14, 15 <laughs> I'd always be going there so anyway Russell and uh, Andrew would be, always be up west chirps and girls Robin 
all that kind of stuff. And um, one day they came into school, they'd been into Tower Records and Rob's graphicism four and five. No, three and four. Sick. And they were like, look at this. And I was like, oh, what shit. the hell is this? <laughs> Shock one from LA doing like photorealism and yeah. stylo and like all these, and part two and like all these just Drax, all these writers, man, that just... From from the UK mostly, but also you've seen Reggie in there as well, probably. Yeah, and like, and they were doing like they'd have this little bit where they'd like, uh, I think Julio or whoever would be doing like their their big ups to people, and there'd be little stories, yeah, interviews, halls of fame, like Maidstone, the Chrome pages, the yeah, yeah, the Chrome pages, the trains, like all that stuff, oh, and that that was just amazing. That was when I realised that there was graffiti and then there was the gang stuff. So yeah. that, that separation came at that point. But then, yeah, I borrowed them. I was like copying the pieces and just that that took everything to the next level, man. Did just, you feel comfortable with that? And did, you, did it make you feel comfortable knowing that it wasn't really a gang thing? Yeah. Because, I mean, it's not something you'd sit there at 13 and say, oh, brilliant. It's not gangs. Cool. I can, but it do you was, know what I mean? The type of person you are. You might yeah. feel a bit more relaxed. Like, oh, I can get deeper. This isn't... It, yeah, I don't it have to start robbing. Definitely felt a bit more like art mm. than like some like you know rugged lifestyle that I wasn't quite going to be involved in. I mean, when I, I grew up in... You know, how old are you? 37. Okay, cool. I'm a couple of years older than you. So we grew up in the same time. You know, like... I, I thought I was a rude boy. I really tried it for a good few years. I was so shitty. It it really fucked me up mentally. Talking about emotional stress. Yeah. And fucked me up mentally. And when I found graph, and I kind of similar to you, I kind of thought graffiti was connected to crime at a young age. But then as I got older, I realised there was actually a writer of my state called Torment who I knew, knew wasn't a bad boy, but had a sick hand style. I was like, oh, there's something different here. And when I found graffiti and I was like, oh, this is it. This is, the, I'm this. I'm not a rude boy. I'm not a bad man. This is it. And I felt so good because I didn't have to act anymore. Yeah. See, I didn't so have to put on a... I probably spent a month or two when I was in about year nine. And this is when I was like deep into graffiti. But I don't even... I, I can't tell you what caused it. Just Maybe just teen angst or hormones or whatever. I had a, a month or two where I just... I thought I was, I was a rude boy because mm-hmm. like, I was looking up to all the rude boys at school. Yeah. They were cool. They were doing this, doing that. And me and this 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 guy that started in like year eight, this kid called Tekla, we just became like good mates and we were just like doing tags and stuff. And I just thought I was a rude boy. I was answering back to teachers. Like I was always a good kid. And then all of a sudden this switch happened. Switch. And what broke, what shook me out of it was one of my teachers came up to me and went, Marcus, is everything all right at home? And I was like, yeah. And that made me realize you're acting like a dickhead, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is not you. Yeah. You know, all the teacher needed to say was that. And I just thought, rah. I'm you felt actually, silly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not having problems at home. Yeah. Shit. There's like, no reason for this. Yeah. Yeah. And you, this is the thing, because we also understand, you know, it's like, it's like looking at writers. Kings are kings, undoubtedly. But something goes on for them to become a king in real life. Because it's hard fucking work. Yeah, man. I love kings. Daz will praise kings constantly but david and especially this fucking david who's into psychology and all that type of shit i'll be like i wonder what's really going on in the everyday <laughs> life for them to be able to do that because yeah you it's a it's a persona you have to put on and being a rude boy is not half-hearted no nah. and then you really you get called out you're like oh yeah shit. man 
Yeah. That's cool. And you know, like, sad to say, but there's a lot of kids that are dying because they're, they're wearing that mask, man. Mm. And that's, it's not the life for them. Yeah. It's not, and there's, there's a lot of kids that they know deep down it's not the life for them, but they can't do anything else yeah. about it. Man. I mean, yeah, I, part of my, my delve into, and it was years, I, I started stealing very young off mm. my own back like stealing very young crisps chocolates all that type of shit but i got into big shit later on i didn't start writing properly till i was like late 15 16 mm. but i was doing this crime shit and i had to because i was stealing early on and getting a name for myself and then when the crossover happened where you have to step up to be the serious one i got fucked because i wasn't serious and then i had to be yeah 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 and then those years after that i lived horribly quite weirdly at the end of it all and a lot of horrible really bad 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 things happened i got approached by one of them one of the gang ex-gang and they were like what the fuck are you doing now writing your fucking name everywhere what the fuck is this bullshit like you're lucky we don't rush you and i said no this is what i'm meant to be fucking doing not what you lot are fucking doing not what i was doing you he was just like and it, luckily i wouldn't have said it if it was all of them he's by himself and he just took it in Sorry, my dog's. She wants her dinner, but she's not having it. Can you get on your bed, please? Now, I'll give you another treat. It was good because it just quietened him. It made him understand. Like, oh shit, D's on this this path to like be him. Mm. That guy actually ended up working for TFL and now works as a platform guy at Great Portland Street. <laughs> it's brilliant seeing him in that situation. I say hello to him, and he kind of, you know, cringes. Cause he's just like, yeah, I went off and did my thing. Like, fair play, man. Yeah. So also, also at this time. Um, I was hanging out with my cousin Nathan a lot who's uh, he's eight months younger than me mm -hmm. so basically the same age yep. and um, he lived in Peckham so we'd I can't really remember how it how it's I, I was definitely the instigator of this but I think we were down in Eastbourne visiting my mm -hmm. nan one time we went to a stationery shop and I just bought a Pentel and then we just started tagging up around Peckham. Like every time we'd, we'd go and like go to North Peckham Estate, go inside the blocks, and like there'd be no one around yet. And these these blocks were Bronx, yeah. Like dire splat name. All the all the North Peckham boys, all the young Peckham boys. They were just there was no space to even get a tag in there really. And we'd be like looking out for each other and going and just doing a quick tag. And <laughs> so shook about doing it. Of course. And like. And uh, and all I'd be doing really was using that pen tool to just do tags on paper at home. Yeah, yeah. Was what? it a wide one? It was a semi-wide pen tool. Fifteen. So bigger than your usual, like. Was it a pen tool? K sixty or something. Yeah, it was definitely a pen. It was the what you know the black and white barrel. Yeah, it comes in blue, red, green, red. Yeah, and yeah, black. Yeah. yeah, and um, and then I was there, I remember buying a red one and a blue one and then pressing the nibs on top of each other yes. to try and make purple <laughs> yes <laughs> this should work <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then uh, my friend Russell the one that uh, Nick's graphicism was like yeah you should I think it was him that actually told me about pentiles I'm sure put it in a sock and swing it around to juice it up so it'd be like swinging it around yeah. but ne I mean like you know one tag every couple of months with my cousin yeah, yeah, looking out for each other <laughs> but so they, those, those first days times, are man. amazing man yeah they were fun like we'd just be roaming around the estates just you know just talking. how was it walking around the estates back then did you feel safe 
I got the first time I ever got mugged was in on North Peckham Estate when yeah. I was 11. I had my my brand new bike I just got three days before for my 11th birthday. Nicked, oh. nicked off me by a bloke who was probably 19, 20, 21. Oh, damn. Yeah, and that 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 affected me massively. Yeah, yeah. And then we got we got our football nicked off us at Burgess Park. We were just kicking around in this AstroTurf and these boys came over and went, oh, can we just take a shot with your ball? And we were like, yeah, yeah, cool, man. Took one shot. Picked it up. I saved it, took another shot and then booted it over the fence and they just went and took it. And we stood there for a few minutes. Ah, yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> oh, I see what's happened. Right, yes. Yeah, they're not coming back. <laughs> but you know what? In general, there was nothing, nothing much really. Cool. Nothing much. Like, I've spent a lot of time in Peckham because my aunties lived there. Um, two of my aunties lived together on um, around the North Peckham estate and then my other auntie, Nathan's mum, she still lives there now. She's been there 30 odd years. So I was around there a lot. And um, it was such a mad place, man. Like, you know, I, I, I don't always agree with gentrification, mm. but the North Peckham estate getting leveled was a good thing, man. Because mm. there was so many, like, it was kind of like human Manchester. There was all these walkways, the lights would be broken, it would stink of piss and shit, or like burning stuff because someone had set fire to a, a rubbish shaft it was just it was just a mess man mm. and it was just it was just a fertile place for crime and danger and yeah depravity like, I, yeah. I think yeah I, I'm the same as you I'm not I don't I don't condone all gentrification but it one it's always happened through history and two yeah. it needs to happen especially in them situations because as well as long as the right people are housed after the fact well that's it isn't it like the, this is why gentrification causes so much um, outrage and and annoyance is because places get levelled, people get shifted on, and then the new new flats get built that no one around the, that would have lived there before could afford. And the that, community that, gone, yeah. and it's it's not even really gentrification in the traditional sense of the word. It's like social cleansing, isn't it? Yeah, it's it is. more That's a more exactly appropriate it term. Yeah, um, it's, it, you know, because the people of that estate, if they got to live in the new builds that are there the whole estate not just 20% of them mm -hmm. all of them got rehoused you go and live out here for two years while we build this estate like, come back now come back to your area they would look at life completely differently yeah man completely differently and they would maybe take further steps in their life mm -hmm. because you're not sat in the shit it's so hard to see past your surroundings especially even like inner city spots like that it's so hard to see past it so yeah if you can snazz it up change it up and give them a new place to live great I know it happens a bit it just doesn't happen enough nah not enough nowhere near enough man not enough I know some of the houses like South Kilburn Estate they knocked it down and they gave some of them back but why only some yeah. what, what are you doing with some why are you having to sell the rest anyway money innit yeah of Always. course of course so Pe Peckham was a, an interesting place to hang around back then um, it was it was fun for for a couple of like preteen kids really. Yeah. Like, how was school going in those years then? Really good, man. It still carried on. You carried on yeah, with your head in I, the books. My grades never dropped, man. Brilliant. I actually passed my maths GCSE two years early because. Oh, you done. <clears throat> my my maths teacher identified a few kids who mm -hmm. he thought were capable of of doing it, um, and they they created this group called the help group the higher education learning program mm -hmm. and there was about 10 or 15 of us and i think we all got put put forward to do it two years Brilliant, early man. got a c at intermediate and then got an a at higher level because i did, did it again in at the time when yeah, we're supposed yeah. to do it yeah i was flying man because the thing is after i got mugged that time i was with nathan had my bike taken then we had the ball taken off us mm. then i got robbed for my 
gap hat. Mm-hmm. Who robs a hat off someone? Of course. But this, there yeah. was like, th- this was a really common thing that was happening in was. the mid It was the thing, yeah. Walk down the street, someone whips your hat off your head. Mm. And I'm like, why would you do that? It's been on my head for months, man. I never used to take that hat off unless I was having a bath. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> or in bed. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so this, this local, actually one of the YBM guys, this okay. guy called Anger, came up to me when I was on the way to the shop. Let me see that hat. As soon as someone says, let me see that. <laughs> They've seen it and take yeah. it. <laughs> so he took it, had a little, gave it a look, and then just like Usain Bolt down the road. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh. So then I became like really reclusive because he was a face around the area. Right. And I was just scared of him. And I was of scared of like all of those boys. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. So I was just in my house, either sketching or doing homework. Mm. Like I didn't really go out unless I was going to school and back. Yeah. And that was it, man. I was just in my... And then, or if I was going over to, like, visit my cousin or stuff, we'd go out yeah, and, yeah. like, play football and stuff. But, but the like, local kids were leaving them alone. Yeah, I just... I just, And it wasn't even like they, they weren't targeting me. No, but, but just you, the fact that they were around. Yeah, just and you'd feel scared. targeted. And, yeah. and the thing is, he he's done one thing. Your perception is, your thoughts are, he's gone back to his boys, I did this thing to Marcus. All right, cool, so we've got him now every time. It may have happened, it may not have happened. He may have forgotten he took the hat off you. He might have thrown it when he got to the end of the road. You don't know, but so you think that. A few months later, I was on my way home from school, and um, he's sitting in a car, and like he's sitting there, and my hat's resting just behind his head. And Shut he, up. He pulls the hat onto his head, and as I'm walking past, because I can't go anywhere, like yeah, I have you to go past the car, and I'm walking past, and I'm just thinking, oh, what's going to happen? And he leans his head out, and he's like... Yo, 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 my you, my you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, I'll get you back a next, a next gap hat, yeah? And then nudged me. And I was like, oh, safe, cool. That's nice of him. <laughs> did he get me a hat of course back? Not. Of course he didn't. But I just thought, why did he even say that? Well, it's so weird. I f- no, that, that to me is then, no matter who you are, you carry guilt, man. Yeah. And he, maybe that day, felt in a comfortable position, made an urn of some sort. You sit in the car, for fuck's sake. When you're, you know, you're that age and you sit in the car, I'm the big man. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you big, I'll show you little man over there that I've got him. Yeah. It's one of them. Yeah. You know I mean? He's never going to fucking get you because tomorrow's shit. The next day's awful. He's yeah, out of man. weed. He's got no money left. The car's gone. Fuck Marcus in his hat, man. Where's my... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so like, so, you know, I, yeah, I became quite reclusive, man. But that helped with studies. Yeah, I mean, I th- I, the thing is, I don't think I would have been. I was out and about around the estate, like yeah. playing with my friends, but I was I was also committed to my schoolwork, man, and that was always something that I'd. I don't know why, but I just decided that I knew that if I worked hard and I was a good person, that it would get me somewhere. I don't know who told me or where that came from. I mean, it was always that I even in. just having eyes on a, on your immediate family. Mm. whether they said anything to you or not you would have seen different paths people were taking at some point maybe and then you'll whatever one it was that was the teacher just these little factors can help you make decisions like josh i never told josh to go to take therapy mm. he's watched me go to therapy he's watched bex go to therapy he's watched bex become a therapist oh dad i'll go and do i want to do therapy it's just one of them things maybe you're just like that this thing seems quite important and i, I think i'm good at it i'll put my head down yeah man i feel like <clears throat> not being arrogant but I, f- I found schoolwork pretty easy man brilliant you know people in my class would like ask me questions would like Andrew the guy who's showed me tagging would always copy my homework right. I was like one of the go-to people in my yeah. class if not the go-to person people would always ask me like this that or the other and especially, he just didn't like, find spelling. it hard 
Not really. I can't, yeah. I can't think back and think of it. You've done I mean, the thinking part. Obviously, you sat there and thought and understood and figured out. Yeah, man. And like, obviously, there must have been things that I found challenging, but yeah. I, I can't recall anything really like, you know, and the same with exams, like, you know, I'd obviously revise and stuff. And sometimes I'd not do as well as I could have done. But, you know, most of the time I was just flying through, man. I think the main thing as well is that you were happy to do it. Yeah, it was what you wanted to do. do you yeah. know what I mean? Pe- like just... people tried to call me a boffin, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm smarter than you." Yeah, like you know, I was, Next. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, boffin is like what well, for me was the like the least offensive thing you could say to me. Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah," and <laughs> but I was like, I was a joker in class. Like I'd mess around, I'd get in trouble. Yeah, I'd actually get in. I'd, in a lot of my reports, it'd be like Marcus finishes work and distracts everyone else. Yeah, so like you know, I wasn't I wasn't your typical like. Boffin, no. but I definitely was yeah, smart, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> capable, academically, you know, proficient, and yeah, I just, I just got on with it, man. So, did you, whilst in schooling, did you think about college and university? Is like, was that part of your it, towards the end of school? Yeah, I went, I went on to the sixth form, um, and I had, I had quite grand ambitions. In my, in the second year of uh, sixth form, I was like, yeah, I'm going to apply to Oxford, man. I'm going to apply to Oxford. <laughs> and it's really funny. Oh. You know, there's that guy, Mo, the comedian. Mm-hmm. He's just done this thing on YouTube a few months ago where he talks about college. And uh, there's a section where he goes, like, talking about being in, like, in, in a city college and having designs above your station and being told by the teacher, <laughs> like... No, 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 no. Yeah, no. and that's what the head of our sixth form did, Mr. Davies, man. He was like, no, Oxford's not for you. You're not, you're not an Oxford person, blah, blah, blah. But I think he was trying to say it to protect me because he was more kind of like, you're not cut from the same cloth as people that go there. But I do wish that he would have been a bit more encouraging and been like, yeah, let's go for it. If you yeah, don't make it, you don't make you it. You take there's more it. of a discussion in that rather than just the Marcus no. Yeah, like, you know, that was a... That could, was a I, mistake. It's nice of you to think of it in that way. He was protecting you and you, you could be completely right. Mm. The point is, is that there could have been a discussion. Yeah. We could have had a chat about, also about what you're capable of going through. Yeah, you're different to the people that go to Oxford, but are you capable of going through it? You might well be, mm. but you didn't get that chance. He, I guess he thought, like, I was, you get two options and I was wasting it. I would have wasted one by yeah. going for Oxford, but I, I, I think he made a mistake there. Mm. He should have gone, yeah, go for it, man. Why mm. not? got one one life to live go yeah. for it yeah he should have anyway, anyway i made i made it to uni first first person in my family to go to uni mm, brilliant um yeah all the graph stuff was going on so yeah i was about to say so you you'd obviously been into the graph since you know early secondary ish mm. when do you start really getting in so you do a couple of years of tagging with that pentel or whatever but yeah graph graphism definitely changed everything man and that's when I was just started sketching and like you know biting stuff there was um there was a there's a note panel on a I think it's like an old little met mm. definitely one of the metal trains black and white photo I only saw it in color the first time for the first time a few years ago Richard. there's this note panel and I just I don't know what it was about it the air like it was like a small n small it was all I think all it was actually all in lowercase I think yeah and I just, yeah, just I thought it was just the sickest thing ever, and I just copied that loads. And then I just started developing my own style. Then I, then I bought a few graphitisms. I got like graphitism six, and then you know it just went on. Yeah. But throughout that whole time, from like 
uh, from like yeah from 93 94 up to when was it 99 yeah 99 20 years ago I I just I, I because I was brought up with such good morals I didn't like even doing little tags felt like such a big thing yeah. to, to be doing so I just I did have ambitions to go out and do graffiti but I just I just couldn't I didn't know anyone my yeah. cousin dropped off a bit he got into gang stuff and I just I didn't know anyone not, and no one else at school was as passionate about it as yeah. I was and the same with music like I was massively into jungle drum and bass and I was just you know my friend Andrew that showed me tagging he, he was a DJ so he was buying records so he was he was into it but not as into it as I was I was just deep 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 yeah. into the music deep 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 into, into graph and how did you find the music? My mum, man. And yeah. my mum and my aunties, yeah. Because they were heavily into reggae. That's that's why I even exist. Uh -huh. My mum and her sisters were going to like blues blues parties. Um, anyone that's listening and you don't know what a blues is, it's kind of like like a shabine, like a semi-league, not really a bit of an illegal gathering, yeah. I guess. Sound system, someone's basement, someone's house. And they were really common back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, in the in the sort of the British reggae scene, so my mum and my aunties were going to all of them, and my mum met my dad, and my dad was part of a sound system. He was from Sheffield, and he um, he converted to Rastafarianism in his teens, and um, set up a sound system to spread the word of Rastafari. Sick. So him and his mates were like travelling around the country, yeah. And my mum even said this to me recently, so I'm not being disrespectful to her. She kind of said, yeah, yeah I, was, I was pretty much a groupie. And they had this like long distance relationship. They were writing letters to each other and Wicked. stuff. But she was like one of his women that he would yeah. hook up with when he came to London. And, you know, like when I first found that out, I was, it was like a bit of a dagger to the heart. But yeah. as I've sort of worked through that and thought about it, it's like, you exist because of that is it really a bad you, thing like not everyone can be married yeah. and, and we like, know people you know, our age that are like that this yeah. is the other thing is about our parents are human yeah exactly. before us they're human right and yeah. so yeah that isn't you know if you spoke if you said that story about your best friend or a friend of yours it wouldn't be anything nah exactly yeah it's so weird that yeah to yeah. me it doesn't affect me it sounds brilliant oh what a cool story but yeah, seriously man. that's my mum man yeah yeah yeah. she called herself a groupie for fuck's sake <laughs> like what <laughs> it's and it's but also it's, because you're brought up conditions yeah to of think course about this society conditions yeah, yeah the archetypal relationship yeah. of marriage house 2.5 yeah, all of that like, what a load of crap man yeah. and then your situation is like that's a complete derail of what we're meant to be doing yeah. or what i'm learning is about what we're meant to be doing yeah it hurts i get it yeah but it was like you know so i'm a i'm a child of reggae i grew up around reggae music wicked i'm i'm such a bass head even now man like i just love bass if i go to an event and the bass is rumbling i'm i just love it but it's weird because when i was a kid i think because of the because my dad wasn't around and maybe reggae was like connected to him or yeah. something when the reggae was playing, I'd get a bit like antsy about it and start playing up. Oh, it's too loud. I don't like it. And like kick a cause in the scene. Um, and then they, they all, my mum and my aunties, they all got into the rave scenes. They were listening to pirate radio. Sick. Early um, then, yeah. yeah. And like, I remember getting like, my mum had a, uh, an album called house hits 88, um, which had the theme from S express on it. And a few other like, that sounds banging. Yeah. It just sounds, I want that. It's wicked. Actually, there's a playlist on YouTube. Is Someone's it? like put all the tunes from House oh, 88 into this oh, playlist. I've got to get it. Okay, bang. Um, 
and then I got Rave 92 tape pack, double tape pack uh, in 1992, obviously. Mm. Um, but then I had a few other like bits and pieces. I had like Michael Jackson's Dangerous album. I had a few bits that were mine, but they were just bought for me for like birthdays and Christmas mm-hmm. and stuff. And it wasn't until really um, I found out about Jungle, like General Levy came on, got in the charts. That's right. And me and my cousin Nathan were just like, we were into dancehall and like hip hop and stuff at mm. that point about 94 and then General Levy came on Top of the Pops and we are like raw what is this and I, I think we'd that. heard like Hardcore and Jungle on Pirate Radio so you it must was have really... heard Smarties and yeah uh, man those old tracks because they yeah. got a bit commercial as well because I'm pretty yeah, much yeah, yeah. so I remember those hit- hits coming out the yeah, KLF man. and all that stuff exactly yeah. yeah KLF Shaman 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 um, my mate bought me the tape for my birthday my mate Colin I it? love him forever for that <laughs> he got it from our price so there was like yeah so so all of that stuff was sort of bubbling up and then yeah jungle just yeah man i was just into it big time and then listening to 923 weekend rush then i discovered call fm and it was just game over man i taped over all of my old tapes like the dangerous album gone (laughs) (laughs) rave 92 gone Gone. i was borrowing tapes off my mom taping over her reggae tapes and then finally started getting the money to like get my own blank tapes and then i've literally just finished copying all of my tapes to mp3 from the 90s 300 odd yeah what yeah yeah yeah. most them of them nah I'm, I'm gonna start doing it over the next few months most there's some there's like 95 96 call fm not that many though because like at that time i was like 13 14 so right. i was i was taping and then if i heard something better i'd tape over that yeah. so in a way i mean no regrets man but it's a shame mm. that well, I t- it's all like, the, it was all the experience the point is is that that's a that's a little time capsule of that time man and I bet it's some amazing fucking shit on there, man. I loved that period. Nuts. Loved Nuts. it. Then uh, then I got onto like Kiss FM, yeah. listening to Fabio and Groove Rider every Friday. I had this like... So my sister was born when I was nine, right? And the, the rules of uh, council accommodation back then were if you had two kids sharing a room, their age had to add up to like 21 before you could move out. Yeah. So... I shared the room with my sister until she was, until I was about 16 and wow. she was like seven. Fuck. Yeah. It was ridiculous. So she would be put to bed when I was 13, 14, yeah. she'd be put to bed at like eight or nine o'clock. Yeah. I'd go to bed at whatever time. Yeah. Fabio and Groove Rider show was 12 to two in the morning. So I'd lie in bed with my earphone in, holding on to this metal hanger that I used for an aerial trying to keep the reception clear recording the their shows yeah every the friday <laughs> amazing yeah man so like that's how deep i was into it i was just taping and taping and taping and taping working out like you know like uh, ronnie size and all those guys from bristol they had loads of different aliases so i was mm-hmm. like trying to figure out what their aliases were like i was just massively into it but i didn't buy any records because i didn't have any decks i couldn't afford so any of no that need, stuff but just pure taping yeah man so yeah i was big into big into the music parallel to to the graph really um one of the one of the another turning points was um, when me Andrew and Russell so Andrew and Russell yep. if you go back the guys that grabbed graphitism we figured out that West London was a bit of a hub for graph so we decided to embark on our first like adventure yes. out of South <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah I man. remember these years so well I love this shit <laughs> bro bro it was just going west. even when I think back to it now man it, that that day was such a a magical magical day man really really like just you know from being shown a tag to practicing to seeing graphitism 
to then go in on this pilgrimage to West London to Labrook Grove, yeah. like that, you know, was described as like a hub, hip hop, graph, all of that stuff. Getting the 36 to Paddington from like our sides and then wow. getting to Paddington. We went down onto the wrong platform, right? Yeah. Which is now like, a, what would it be? A, like the Trans, no, not the Trans Pennine Express, the Great Western Railways yeah, platform. Yeah, that's what I get. Yeah, GWRs. We got on the wrong platform and a, a little Met pulled in. On the other side. With a zombie, zombie <gasps> panel on it. Yeah, with a character. Uh, and I don't know what the other piece said. Uh, yeah, the first, one of the first uh, trains that I'd consciously seen. Red, one of the red, right, and blue ones had a zom panel with a character, and it said the unknown soldier next to it. Oh, and I don't shit. know. There was another piece on the train, so I had my old thirty-five mil camera without yeah. without a flash, and I'm like taking a picture into as it's going into the tunnel. Oh shit! No. And we didn't even know that you could wait for it to come back. So we were like, <laughs> oh no, it's gone. And I don't even know where the negs are. And uh, like you know, if I was to find it, it would just be yeah angle shot yeah you wouldn't even be able to see anything faded out literally as soon as we got onto the tube we saw a, a panel that's amazing right? so then we jumped onto the little met going out to um royal oak and mm-hmm. we just saw like you know all the big pieces that were at royal oak royal oak at the time there's like Sheen, a, Bosch and zonk this was before that okay yeah this so was fat salmon this was 94 yeah so there was a big elk yeah. and there was a there was an iron piece that looked like it was moving like it had like i remember you know, it. like speeds kind of speed lines and um, and then we got off at Labrick Grove, walked up to where the, the sort of skate park is now when it was empty. And there was this stylo piece. Uh, stylo Amir had done this piece of like a character in the middle. There was like draft characters. And we our minds were just blown. We were just like, we'd never seen graph like that so in real life. So that level hadn't been up at your end, down in Peckham. You hadn't seen pieces like that. There was um, at, at Burgess in. Park the AstroTurf where our football got taken. Yeah. There was um, like there were dubs and pieces in there yeah. by like names, Reggie, uh, Stacks, yeah, Reggie, Asia, um, and like just a few other local kind of like TK people like Pose, um, so, uh, SSF, Southside, mm-hmm. Southside fuckers. Like they they had pieces and stuff in there, and there was nothing wrong with them. No, and they were a, a mascot. Mascot was a don. Yeah. Um, and there was nothing wrong with them, but they were of a certain level. And when we went to West and we saw this stylo stuff, stuff that we'd seen in the magazine that was like, you know, almost like photorealism, we were just like, raw, what is this? She's dreaming and making a tail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it, that was... I remember seeing my first stylo piece. Oh, yeah? In Camden Pitch. It fucking blew me. He was there as well. It was amazing. It blew my mind. I was just like... VOP, man. Yeah. I remember the mere solo and stylo piece and stylo did a John Major, a crop picture oh, of John Major. Right, yeah. And I was just like, uh, they're the best. Like, the, the possibilities are just, that, how the fuck are you get in there? But it was so good to see because yeah, it, it just extended the possibilities of where you could go with it. Yeah. Mm. Um, this, there was a, uh, I think it was part two did a, um, Anthony Hopkins and it said silencing the toys next to it and I was like raw <laughs> when I saw it in when I saw it in graphism I was like whoa I remember that, I remember is, that. how can someone do that with a spray can was it ice blue am I thinking <sighs> I it think right? so it was I don't know oh it's just ridiculous man. either way wild <clears throat> so then um, so then we were like that run, trip was amazing then running around Labrick Grove then we got the train further down the, the Little Met line and uh, we went past Latimer Dump and we're looking out the window 
and we see like my dump yeah. and we're like Raw. oh there's people in there painting <gasps> so we're like at, literally like I mean I don't even know what the other people in the carriage must have thought but there's yeah. like these teen- teenagers just going oh my god at the window oh my god there's people painting <laughs> so we jumped off the train and ran down the stairs and then this older dude this older black dude was like come on boys I know the way and he'd like took us round to like wow. show us how to get in there and he told us that he worked for some magazine I don't even know what magazine it was we climbed over and we met these kids Stun Moore and Wise wow. and I was just like they're painting in front they're literally painting and we were like wow and we got chatting to them and they said, yeah, because um, we'd, we'd seen all these fume tags. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, fume just came here. And he just asked us if he could take some of our paint because he said he was going to go and paint at Hammersmith uh, in the shed now. And we were like, what? <laughs> no way. So then we got the train up to Hammersmith and we go all the way up to the end of the platform. We were looking into the shed and we we're like, oh, I'm sure we can see him. Look, he's down there. And I, I'm sure we couldn't. It was yeah, just a worker. But we were exciting. like, wow, fumes there. And we were like waiting around, waiting to see if the train was going to like pull out with like a fume panel on it. So funny. Man, those man. days were brilliant, man. Those days so were innocent. brilliant. So innocent. <laughs> and like hearing things like that, like fumes just turned up and he it's it's three in the afternoon and you've just heard he's on the way to the yard and you're like <laughs> this super king is invincible like he's like look he's such yeah. a tough. he's got a friend at hammersmith and he's yeah. gonna let him in exactly well, like, how's, the whole what? story behind that is the fuck he gets into hammersmith in the daytime <laughs> and just your mind's going crazy thinking of the possibilities it was wild amazing man. years man we were just i mean i was completely completely hooked from then on yeah and then that's so that's when i started going around taking photos so that that was my that was my thing did you take photos on that trip i took no i didn't i don't think i did but i went back literally like a week later and took pictures of their pieces wicked um and that was it that that was what i was doing i was traveling around going to halls of fame crystal palace the pit um latma dump uh eventually camden when i found it i was just going around just looking for these places yeah. that were mentioned really similar stories here man yeah I did exactly the same shit yeah exactly I just, that, the same. that was all because may, maybe i'd have like a little pentel white with me and i'd do like the odd tag here or there but not really man yeah. i was just drawing loads at home and just i just never thought that i'd ever even though i met those those three that time i didn't yeah. take their details and then andrew and russell dropped off as I said, my cousin got into gang stuff and then it was just me just taking photos, rec- drawing reclusive at home, traveling around weirdly. But be- I guess it's because I was going to far flung areas. I, f- I actually felt quite brave. Yeah. Whereas in my own area, I was like in my house cause I was like, don't want to go out cause those boys are going to be around. But it's not say that building of confidence. Yeah. But on a, you know, at home you feel unconfident and unsafe. I can't walk out the door, but the moment you can get out of the manor, the city's your oyster you know not everyone's doing this and you feel proud and brave and the, the confidence builds really hard I, I, I'm just thinking about how it, but exactly the same thing for me. I had to get out of Kilburn mm. after all this shit had gone down I, I couldn't be about mm. I had to but I lived there same I had to keep bit, getting out of there getting out of there and it, that, that the, the, the graffiti thing and then the camera and the just going doesn't matter where go wreck take photos meet whatever it was and so amazing man and it really like built my confidence back up gave me what i needed mm. not what i thought i needed or how i felt in the area and that the area stayed horrible till i left but yeah. the point was graffiti <laughs> got me out of it <laughs> yeah man same like i was just 13 14 like it's my my nephew's 13 now and i take him to a football training like once a week if i if i can manage to find the time yeah and um 
you know, I'm saying, I'm, I, I said to him yesterday when I took him, like, you know, you, you should you should know your way now. You should be able to get the train yourself. And he's just he just doesn't have the confidence to do it at all, yeah. man. And I was like, when I was your age, I was going to West London on my own, man. He's like, yeah. And he he said to me, he's 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 a smart kid, man. He's like, yeah, but the world's not the same now. And I was yeah. like, you know what? Fair, fair. I remember fair. putting Josh on the Hamilton City at Labbert Grove one day. We were going back to King's Cross where we lived. He was twelve. Yeah, about 12, maybe turning 13. Anyway, right, cool, we're going home. We'd had a burger down at Lucky Sevens <clears throat> about nine o'clock, half, half eight. Is that why a King's Cross train called? He stepped on and I just stepped back. I was like, I'll see you later. And he's like, what? I said, you're all right, go. And I called him straight away. I was like, yeah, look, you have to do this by yourself, Josh. You're nice. okay. And he's like, really? I said, you'll be all right. Just get off at King's Cross. You know where you're going. Yeah. Just call me when you get there. And he did. And well we've, played, we've done loads of things like that over the years. Yeah, so. that's that's, <coughs> that's really important, man. He once though, I told him I lived in Tooting. I said, get on the Thames Link at Kentish and get the Thames Link down to me. Make sure you know what train you're getting on when you get on the platform. So he calls me outside the station. I was like, cool, go in. Make sure you get the train here, cool. And he gets, he just, I don't get a call. And I call him back. I'm like, where are you? He's like, I'm at Farringdon. I said, do you look at the train? He's like, no. And I said. <laughs> you sit next to me. He's like, yeah. I said, ask person where it's going. I said, Brighton. I said, Josh, get off the fucking train now. Fast <laughs> <laughs> to Brighton. Oh wow. Yeah. Luckily, caught him. It would have just been that. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, it's it's nuts though. The he, your your nephew's right, definitely. But we can't we can't just take that one story. No, nah, I know. That's that's it, man. I I want him to I want him to figure it out, man, because mm. that that foundation of going going on those trips and you know I was going I was going I was going to places that I, I was you know Crystal Palace Hall of Fame was a bit dodged yeah there was the dark garages and stuff and all that kind of thing yeah and Crystal Palace itself itself I, mean, I live there now and it's nice yeah it never used to no. be but I felt okay going there and like that has given me such a foundation like anywhere I go in the world if if I'm traveling for work or whatever I remember going to New York in 2004 on this on this press trip with like these other journalists and the PR and they were getting cabs everywhere and I was like why don't we get the subway and they were like oh no we don't want to get the subway and I was like let's just get the subway this is 2004 it's not even the 80s yeah and then this one day we got given like a you know half a day to just do what we wanted and I just jumped on I think it was the six line and went to the Bronx Sick. and just walked around and That's I was like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to go there. If yeah. anyone, and I went back and met up with them that evening and they were like, what have you been up to? And I was like, went to the Bronx and they were like, <gasps> you went to the Bronx on your own. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you it's know. fine. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. I, get, I get why you're scared, but it's okay. <laughs> I just like, I just, I would just go, man. I'll just go and just do things. Cause that, that was, that was what was, you know, that was what was in me from that point, man, from that point of going out and adventuring and it's, knowing that you could do it. Yeah, I think that's it. And Again, I talk about shit and because we, on this podcast, I talk a lot about our past and then I say this stuff, this, not profound, I don't mean to make myself sound profound, but I say these things, a 14-year-old isn't going to think that. But I, I think we do think that. We just can't, we don't cognitively think it. Mm. I think you got a lot out of going out, out. And if you could have verbalized it at that age, yeah, I can't hang out here. I can't walk around here. Them fuckers out there are going to take whatever I've got on me next. They got, they're on me. I'm going out because I'm going to build confidence and I'm going to, but we can't, we don't, we can't say it at that age. Yeah, you know what I mean? But it's so nuts how important it is and what it does. 
that again is culture it's yeah man being part of a culture you don't really get it elsewhere and then it was just and then it was just uh you know just getting to know who's up i'm just i was just like up and down the lines jubilee line going out up north south everywhere seeing who's up yeah getting into that getting in that, yeah getting into that level of things and you know cos and zonk were smashing it very yes. hard to place them too <laughs> yeah. you couldn't place them you're like <laughs> they're everywhere like i can't tell where they're from i remember when my route to school was through um crofton park south london right mm. and um seeing these early zonk tags when he was putting up this crew w-a-l I think yeah it was. yeah yeah that's a fucking cricklewood crew yeah Misto and nibba yeah yeah, yeah 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 so that so seeing these early zonk tags and going zonk what a name what's that <laughs> and then literally a year later i think somebody told me that i think he was like he either had family or like maybe he was seeing a girl around there or something a year later or even a few months later this fat cap zonk in his like mature style yeah. DDS. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. It's like that, is yeah. it? So he's that serious. Yeah, man. <laughs> he got noticed and pulled and, in. And the flair on the tag and just yeah. everything just, I was like, wow, this guy's, yeah. this And 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 then the tag made sense to me. It's weird. Yeah. And then he had a dub on, uh, on the back of Crofton Park Station as well. But then, yeah, I was just traveling around and just, those guys were everywhere, man. Like, you know, AC, all city, yeah. man. Everywhere, everywhere. Going back over west, yeah, the the, the fume and the Bosch at Royal Oak, When that man. turned up, was fucking... When it got buffed, they did it, it got buffed, and they went and did it again. Mind-blowing. Top, top dons. Yeah, man. Racking ladders from the Travis Perkins around the corner <laughs> on the roundabout. That's how they did it, apparently. Oh, dear. Genius. Oh, dear, man. Absolute dons. I remember when um, I used to work with Idea in Ikea. Really? In 97, I got a job at Ikea in Neasden and there was tags in the toilets, just like shit pencil tags, the Ikea pencil tags. I was like, oh my God, the Don's in the... I was so happy. It was Idea, DDS (laughs) in their PBS. And anyway, we were in the canteen and we caught each other's eye. It was one of them. <clears throat> so then we both walked out yeah. like do you write like, yeah right got your idea wouldn't it anyway he he put him around to Zonk's house <laughs> and that was at the times when you couldn't place the guy yeah and he lived I'm in Kilburn he's up the road in Cricklewood man and I was just like fuck man. you're Zonk and you live here because <laughs> he was so all city man yeah man so crazy like all the way down to Croydon everywhere everywhere man. everywhere everywhere so so yeah them guys and then around south we had all the FDC lot were killing it yeah, Sir Dyer, R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Johnny Zoned, um, Meth, Gusto, yeah, Gusto, yeah. Well, that, it was just yeah, it was it was such a mad time. And then the Rail Trap project came up, and then the, oh, those guys right. were actually like you know being commissioned to paint <laughs> railway stations, full blown pieces yeah. on platforms. <laughs> and um, and then yeah, and then by '99 the internet appeared, and then one of the first things I wrote on Yahoo search was graffiti and I found digital jungle, but yeah. I, 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 I don't know if it was, I can't remember the order of the names, but there was digital jungle. I think digital jungle Enigma. was the first name. Yeah. Then it was Enigma. Then it was location. 12. And then there was also art crimes. Did you check that? Yeah, I did. The German or whatever it yeah, was, man. which was a sick library like as well. Graffiti.org as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so all of them. And then, yeah, I think it was through uh, digital jungle. They had like directions to some of the other halls of fame. So I found Fulham, places like that um i'm sure there's loads of stuff i'm missing out here but 
Yeah, it was. So is it still like documenting, mainly documenting, and then? Yeah, I was. I sent some of my photos to Digital Jungle, and Deck wrote back to me, and I was like, "Well, Deck Amazing. wrote back to me and sent me like traded me some photos." Um, and then I sent him some more and they ended up on Digital Jungle. Yes. <laughs> I just, I felt like I was famous even yeah, though they yeah, weren't yeah. credited to me, man. So I, I, so I came up with this tag, Crud. Right. That was my first proper tag. So through, through all the sketching and drawing, obviously Article Don was gone within yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. a few months, man. <laughs> yeah. So I went through a series of tags which I th- thought were original but were taken. Uh-huh. So I didn't realise this until I picked up Graphitism. Yeah. Fixer. Yeah, sharp. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I had frantic for a while, but it was too long. Yeah, sign, S I G N. Then I oh no, there's a sign in Amsterdam, S I N E. Oh yeah. no, there's a, uh, and just like all yeah. these names I was going through, sketching. I was doing like A three sketches, full color, everything. Sign and Murph were the names that I kind of settled on for quite a while, and okay. I was just doing loads and loads and loads of different versions, developing a style that was kind of initially bitten a lot from the Brighton guys okay a lot of Nima a lot of Maun very very bitten yeah and then started kind of getting a bit of my own style then there was like this interview with like Futura and and Vulcan and uh and I picked up um this book uh Vulcan's book was it called it will come to me in a bit but that book was very academic yeah and it was it was really like you know talking about graffiti in a very academic way and there was lots of Vulcan stuff lots of Futura Futura lots of Phase 2 you know they're they're really like abstract stuff Mm -hmm. where they've just taken letters and just blasted them to pieces and just created this like really crazy styles and I was just really inspired by that so then I just started doing like really like weird stuff and um, yeah so I settled on Cruds I don't really know how that came up but I just, I think I just wanted to have a name that meant shit, but I wanted to make it look good. Okay. So then I was, nice. then I got a, I think I, I bought a, um, a, a Posca or something from Graphitism, emptied it out and put ink in it. And I got this ink, I got Pantone ink. Yeah. Black Pantone, yeah. Okay. All of these things I bought, just for the record, like any any writers listening to this are going to think I'm a sellout, but I've never racked ever That's fine. my whole life. Yeah. Man. And, you know, uh, and even going, even doing tags was like really difficult for me initially. Stealing, no. Definitely no, not no, going no, down there. No. No, no, no. I mean, my granddad's kind of encouraged us a bit when we were like five or six to Nick and we didn't, even then I couldn't do it. But yeah. like, could not steal and to this day I can't I can't nick and it, as much as people say oh yeah you know insurance blah 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 my morals are so ingrained they just won't let me do it that's good man there's nothing to be ashamed of man. No. <laughs> to be so, applauded so so, so I, yeah I think I started I had my white little white pencil then I had this I can't I can't quite get the order of things but I'm sure I was I was going to work at Gap and I was doing deliveries in the mornings, like collecting deliveries and taking, putting them out on the shop floor. And we had to start at six. So I'd go up to, I'd go up west. I was, work, it was on Regent Street. I'd go up to west an hour, early. two hours early. Sick. And bop around Soho, just doing tags, doing tags, doing tags. Oh. Bombing pretty hard, man. I had loads <coughs> of tags. How old are you now? 17, 18? Yeah, 17, 18, man. First job, earning So you're finding your own morals as well by then? Yeah. you're finding your own you'll be able to push limits a bit more yeah, especially man. going out earning your own money yeah definitely and it just 
Yeah, I don't I don't really know how the transition occurred, but I was started doing insides on the train going up to West, bunking the train. So like as much as I didn't nick, I was bunking my ass off, man, like every single day. There's one time I got caught and I thought to myself, okay, I'll pay the ticket, but I've like hundred and hundred and fifty even more journeys behind bunking. me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then even when they got barriers at New Cross uh, Mesk showed me this way where you could like climb over the roof of the <laughs> of the ticket hall and still bunk in. <laughs> oh, that was jokes. We just do it bra- brazenly in the daytime, man. It's so funny. Just hop up over yeah, man. down. Just climb on top of a phone box and just go over the top of the roof. So that was quite funny. <laughs> but yeah, um, I got to, I went to the pit this one Sunday and Asia, who was like yeah someone that I idolized, was there painting this big piece in the corner. And from the point from that time that I met Stunmore and Wise yeah. up until meeting Asia, uh, like four years later, no I'd never seen. really met anyone at a Hall of Fame. Right. So um, I was going to Tufnell, Camden, Crystal Palace, yeah. the Pit. I was going down to New Morden sometimes. I was going to all of these places, and there was never anyone there, man. Yeah. So, so weird. crazy, isn't it? And then so there's Asia. Walk up to him. Hello, you're right yeah cool yeah nice to meet you blah 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 what are you doing then yeah just go around taking pictures oh cool do you, do you paint nah nah I've been sketching for like seven years but I've never yeah. never done a piece so he goes oh hands me a kind of like um, plastico or something why don't you just do a piece now just sketch something I'll do a piece now I was like really he's like yeah man do it just, just. I was like right okay I just didn't know shit what do I, I've never used a spray can before man like one or two times when me and my cousin Nathan were going through that tagging period, yeah. we went to a, in Crofton Park as well, where the zonk tags were, went to this um, this car spares place and bought like a can of car plan. I think the first one that I bought was white. Yeah. Didn't realise that all the all the white tags we were seeing were chrome. So tried to like go paint and do a tag on like a porous concrete wall and it just sunk <laughs> in. How are they doing this? <laughs> and then we had a red one as well and we went and did when I was writing Fixer, when it did a couple, he was writing Shiver and just did a couple of tags around my estate. Mm. And that was it really. And I think I got a can of gold at one point, did a couple of tags, but had never really like... Mastered you know, a can, nah, understood like, what they were doing. Nah, and, did, and didn't, didn't even know, didn't even think I was ever going to do a piece. Yeah. So there I am. And I just started sketching up a KRD. Um, but I looked at the time halfway through and I was like, shit, man, I've got to go to work. So I sort of ducked out and spent the whole week just itchy just thinking oh i want to go back and finish that piece because i've started it and i've but it's going to be gone someone's going to think some what's that toy thing and go over it or something like that went to stockwell motors during the week bought some belt on went back and it was still there unfinished so i finished up on my own took about a million photos and that was it piece was done and then i was like i can do i mean yeah so I went to went back to Stockwell Motors, bought some chrome and some blue, and went back to went to Tufnell the next week. And Sick. when I got to Tufnell, a few of the guys from XL were there. <gasps> one, one, one uh, eight, and yeah. this guy six from up north. Yep. And I just went over and went, "Hi guys!" And they're like, "Oh cool, what are you up to? Yeah, I'm just gonna do a piece." And they're like, "Yeah, I just had a bit of a chat with them." Took took eight's number. He said that he worked at. Um, I'm not going to say the name, but a shop yep. that was around the corner from where I was working at Gap. So every every weekend when I had my lunch break, I'd go and hang out at this shop and Boom. just 
awkwardly chat to eight and then yeah, like yeah. the odd writer would come in i think oka might have come in one time and he was like when he left when he left he was like oh that was oka and i was like wow oka wow and then from that shop i picked up uh, a few episodes of visual graphics oh. i grabbed um get the message by Arthur dodger yeah man i've got that there legendary oh that video you know what i haven't seen that for years is it on youtube I don't know, man. I'm trying to get AD round here. I see him sometimes. He lives around South, man. Yeah, yeah. We've chatted. I just got legendary. This is so. Oh, that's amazing. So that video. Legendary, Such man. an insight to the London scene. Yeah, big time, big time. It was a proper. That was a proper education for yeah. me, man. And um, and London's, but no, not London's, but London's white trash. No, uh, the um. The one that Kilo made of all the footage of all the different runners. L, L, it was the name of the T channel net network, wasn't it? Anyway, I remember he was doing that shit. What's it? Oh, shit. I can't believe I've forgotten the name of that. Um, but you know the one, it's got like fuel, it's got there's like fuel runners in yeah. it and like a terror top to bottom and just, and it's got the same like track over and over again <laughs> yo look, yo the whole way why couldn't he put something different on there man come on bro apart from that there's um when he's uh it's, there's that hijack tune when the, they're like walking through oh, it's, it's a wicked video man mm. right at the beginning it's got like um it's got like fume bombing and it's got them lot doing some like piccadillies and stuff it's for for you know for an 18 19 year old at that time it was like wow man never you know never been really been near a yard and there's this footage yeah and also the internet wasn't giving us as much nah, man it wasn't giving us the, the good goods it was giving us bits yeah but those videos were priceless yeah, really really like so important man also another thing i neglected to mention was and uh knees spoke about this the the bus bombing man oh yeah bloody hell integral and it was still around in the mid nineties, man. Heavily, like, heavily. All the rude boys. It was just like you know, pink Posca, yellow yeah. Posca. The windows were just rinsed. I I don't remember the eighties very much, but I remember the nineties, man. Rinsed. The buses were rinsed, man. If only someone had recorded that stuff, because it's it was just. I mean, I I remember me and my cousin, like, you know, again, so shook of doing tags, but like trying to do a little tag here or a little tag there but yeah it was mad, it was I'm mad. Just, I wonder if um, I wonder when we can ask BTP for their photos <sighs> when they can be handed over I wonder it's, if that's a thing I don't know man it's, but it's it's like it's like um, I think Nies was saying it's like nobody thought to record it because no. you just thought it was going to last forever obviously it's not but and, like, and, and being a, a teenager as well everything does last forever because it's it's that minute. Yes. Yeah, so, in a way, it's like it's only tags. Yeah. But yeah, man, that was. Uh, there are many undocumented parts of us, especially in the UK, man. We're so bad at documentation. Oh, we've been um, a very secretive culture here as well for a yeah, fucking man. long time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a shame. But yeah, those those videos, Steel Injection. That was it. Yeah, Steel Injection, man. <laughs> like you know seminal and so so i was watching a lot of those 
getting all the, the graphitisms as and when they came out, having to like write letters to graphitism because the my subscription, the magazine hadn't turned up <laughs> for like months or like even my the pen because I didn't know where to get this stuff from. I just ordered it from their shop. Yeah. Pen, little Pentel White took months and months to turn up. My nan had to write him a letter. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah. Um, and I got Star Wars from them. And I, so, you know, like a lot of the guys in the 80s, Star Wars was their genesis. But yeah. for me, man, wasn't that, that was not the case. I yeah. knew, I knew, I'd heard of Star Wars, but that came a bit later when and I And you knew the importance it. of it as well. Yeah, but it didn't, yeah. in terms of resonation, I felt the same. You know, I kind of, I, I own it and I watched it and I worshipped it. But really just out of dedication, not that it was, it was what was happening now. And steel injection, visual graphics, get the message, graphitism. That's what really mattered to me. That's what was really sparking everything. Definitely. It was brilliant hearing Scheme talk and, you know, all it was brilliant. And I'm sure every time I watched it, I'd go out painting just as furious as I would going out after mm-hmm. watching steel injection. But it wasn't, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, man. It just, you know, it was, it was amazing. And then I, and then I bought um, Subway art and spray can art. I was just, I was just studying and 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 then but then becoming active as a hall of fame painter and then doing tags you know doing insides doing streets and just and getting quite wrapped up in it all man like more because i was starting to actually live it yeah and and getting to know other writers and, and meeting people being part of a culture yeah and yeah and people you know everyone was Everyone that I met was nice and encouraging and welcoming. And, you know, I went, I remember going to Fulham for the first time. I was keeping a diary at this time. So I've I've read these diaries quite recently. And it's like, yeah, today I met Re and I met this person and I met Deck for the, like in real life. And they've invited me to come to this, this place, this Hall of Fame in Tottenham. So I painted my third piece at Tottenham on, again, a bare porous brick wall um, <laughs> and you know all colours and they all seeped into the wall but you know it was just another was, learning curve man. yeah and that, that was the first time I met Khan who ended up being a mentor and a partner in crime to me oh. man and he was he was just walking through Tottenham and I was just like who's this guy and I'm not going to give away like what he looks like yeah. but he doesn't look like a writer yeah. <laughs> and I was just like what's this guy doing and then he started doing XL dubs and I was like oh, oh wow shit. okay <laughs> And I think he'd just come from Yard with like LDS or something and he was oh, just fuck. using up his paint. But yeah, it was wicked, man. I just, I, I got welcomed in by the XL guys, man. And I'm so grateful to them lot because I saw all their stuff on Digital Jungle and yeah. just thought their stuff was wicked anyway. Very different, man. Very yeah. different. I and remember they, them hitting Tufnell and Camden loads and just, I never liked it, but I was always in awe of it. Yeah. The style never tickled anything for me, but I was always in awe of it because it was painted expertly. Mm pure style consistent like you, you knew it was the goods and they were lovely guys i remember meeting them yeah in Tufnell, just safe, all lovely man. people super safe you know they 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 definitely were very important in my my growth as a person and as a graffiti writer man because mm. they're, they're all a little bit older than me i couldn't believe that i'd met re this guy that i saw up and up and up up and down the line and going down south frf all the time man him and memo what a lovely guy as well yeah and their fronts on the trains and their rooftops yeah. on the trains and just and I like you know I met the guy and like ended up like going around his house he used to live literally like up the road from where I now live I mean this is like going back 20 years but yeah. I remember going to do 
went to go and do my first first track side. I was on my own, went all the way down to Annerley, which was quite yep. kind of far from where I was, but I'd, I'd identified this bridge that I thought was going to be, that's where I'm going to do my, my dub. Went down there on my own, found a get on that was definitely not the right place to do the get on. <laughs> like, managed to get myself over the fence, walked down, done a dub. Wasn't that great, but you know, it was there. Um, and then on the way home, I can't remember what happened on the way home, but I think something like my travel card wasn't working or I, I, I just didn't have any means of getting the night bus back home. So I yeah. walked all the way from Annerley back to, I think I was still living in Brooklyn. No, maybe I was in New Cross at the time. So I, I took a bit of a, I went off piste and I went down to around where Ree was living yeah. and bombed his whole area. <laughs> Sick. I bombed his whole, his whole fucking area. And actually just before, I think it was before that, or maybe it was that year. No, it was, yeah, it was 98, I think. End of 98, Boxing Day 98, I saw whole cars running by Oka, <laughs> uh, Ein and Kems. Wow. Caught them. It was it was such a weird thing. I was pulling into, I was on my way to work. Yeah. It was like Boxing Day, pulling into work at the Charing Cross. And as the train pulled in, I just saw chrome on the other train, like chrome, yeah. just all chrome. And I was like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> jumps out the train ran around onto the other platform and just jumps onto the train fuck work yeah and I didn't even know what was on it but I knew something big was on it so yeah. I was like right got the train down to Deptford Bridge which was the nearest station to where I lived well that was the nearest station it was stopping at yeah. jumped out and ran up to the driver and I was like it, wait, what time are you going to be back here and he was like oh you said whatever time it was yeah. didn't have my camera with me oh can you make sure that this train doesn't go out of service and he was like Pfft do what I can but I can't promise anything what? so the train went went off I went I jumped across the tracks I was so hyped jumped across the tracks got onto the other platform there's a Chinese dude there smoking crack on the platform <laughs> I'm like what went running got on the phone to my work and I was like I'm running a bit late ran I was, I've never run so fast ran all the way home got my camera my mum was like what's going on for you going you to here? work I was just like clambering <laughs> throwing everything around in my room to get my camera ran back out Ran to back to Deptford Bridge and I was just waiting and waiting and waiting like yeah, and the the train's coming in. The driver driver gives me a thumbs up, <gasps> yeah, and like the train's the, the the train's still running. Oh my god! Yeah, so it going. like and then it I got it all the way back up to the Charing Cross, I ran over to the other platform. Got these like you know the the pictures weren't great because there was like the sun was behind and there was a bit of like glare on the lens, but got got these running shots and Amazing. so I sent them into Digital Jungle they went up on the site yeah. about a week or so later I get a phone call my mum comes into my room and goes someone on the phone I'm not going to say his name beep is on the phone for you I was like hey who's that get on the phone yo it's Oka <laughs> on the house phone yeah like because Ree had my yeah. my house so they he must have phoned up Ree said who's who's this guy who's, where'd you get the pictures from gave him Ree gave him my number phones up my house so I went to go and meet him at my local station what takes me to his house shows me a load of flicks panels from like like zombie and that and this, a similar thing happened there where I, like, I went out on the piss after work one night, went all the way down to his area and just bronxed his area. <laughs> I actually think I went, I, I was such a nerd. I think I went to his house drunkenly thinking he was going to be in and he wasn't in. Or maybe he just yeah. didn't answer the door to me. Oh, what fuck? a weird stalker, man. Yeah. And then bombed all his area and then, like, and then, and then went home. Ah, oh, man, like, there's just 
all loads of stuff like that was happening, man. And I was just like painting with Excel, uh, you know, doing halls of fame. So it become stuff. like a it, school's finished. Uni, you're still at uni. I was so seventeen, eighteen. I was probably, I think, sixth form was done by then. Mm. So I was probably. I'd, what I'd done was I took a year out before uni. Okay. So I went... Just stayed in London working. Yeah, I went painting. to college to do art and design, but I hated it, man. It was shit. So I dropped out and just started working full time. Right. And that's when... Excuse me. That's when... Um, I think that's when I got into it even more because... No I distraction just, then. Yeah, I just had, I had money. I was just working. And yeah, I was just, just going to stock... I think I was... What I did was... I I thought, ah, oh, Stockwell Motors is expensive, man. I can't afford to keep on buying this paint all the time. Yeah. I remember going to Four Star General. That was even more expensive. Yep. <laughs> uh, so I, being the clever dick that I am, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Belton, because that was my favourite paint. Belton, yeah. Peter Quasney Limited. No, oh, there's an address here that's a UK address. Daventry, yeah. North Hans. So I just wrote him a letter. Hey, you know, blah blah blah. Can I buy paint from direct from you? And they sent me all the color charts, blah, 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 and it was like way cheaper than it was from the shops. So then I was just ordering in these massive like boxes, boxes and boxes of paint. So I was just getting the paint way cheaper than amazing. Then I got so familiar with the the the, the receptionist or whoever she was, the woman yeah. that I was doing the orders through. They um, she knew that I was a graffiti writer. She said, oh, we've got this um, got this new paint that we're working on that's specially for graffiti writers. It's called Molotov. We're going to send you a few sample tins for you to try out. And I ended up doing a panel with that paint. What? <laughs> yeah. I went to, um, I won't say where I went, but I went somewhere. And um, I was with a sensor and... Um, and yeah. And, um, that was a funny... That was... Fuck, oh man, so many stories. But yeah, ended up doing, doing a couple of panels with this brand. And I remember showing... And he was like, "What's that?" Yeah, and I was like, "New paint by Belton, man." And it was that was it. I was like, "He was just like the fuck." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so there was that, and then yeah, I was getting super, super discounted um, old auto case. Did you get well into the trains then? So yeah, so I went and did my first train Christmas Day in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, and. Um, I'd really linked up with like Mesk and those guys. We went down to try and do Grove Park one night. Didn't happen. Ended up doing a track side. Yeah, I'd had this. It's weird because even though I was doing streets and done a couple of track sides and was getting onto the illegal stuff, I didn't really. I don't. I don't. It's weird. I was, I was really conflicted because I think I I some subconsciously had ambitions to do trains. Mm-hmm. And definitely, like, saw a lot of, like, NEMA stuff, Mourn, all the TPG, or mm-hmm. DDS, and, like, really, really was like, wow, like, that's amazing stuff. But still, I was still kind of like, nah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. Yeah. That's, that's like, I'm going to be breaking into yards. Yeah. That's levels above my morals. Yeah, and just, and just the danger of it. Yeah. And, like, really calling on this, this new even more dangerous element which is like I mean if you do track sides obviously BTP are going to be onto you but if you're doing trains you're mm. really you, you're a name yeah you're a name then but I was I think I was, I was going through a, you know a bit of a difficult time and I just thought 
sod it I'm just going to go and do it Christmas, I know Christmas Day is no, no one's going to be around I just went to Newcross Yard on my own walked in well I plotted it for a while went down like got up at like 5, 6 in the morning went down scoped it plotted for a while nothing no, not a soul in there so I just walked in ducked under the uh, sensors walked around inside for a bit no one around and just started painting did a, did a panel I'll never forget the just seeing my reflection in the black because it was going on and just being like, wow, this is this is a new feeling that I really like. <laughs> did another panel, did another smaller panel. The same day? Yeah. Wow. They're only chromes. Yeah, yeah, so. but you just stayed in there. Yeah, just once I felt comfortable, did a couple of throw-ups, did some tags on some of the other trains, walked out, did a tag on like the workers' entrance, then went down to where the, the workers actually come in, wrote Merry, Merry Christmas to all at London Underground. <laughs> went home and then got some more paint, got some colours and went and did a trackside in the daytime. What? And that was it. And then um, got a phone call, <laughs> got a phone call on Boxing Day. Mess like, yo, you did New Cross. Yeah, me and Puke just went in there because we saw your tags. So we went in and did it as well. And then I was like, what are you up to tonight? He was like, oh... Nothing, man. I was like, should we go and try? So we went did two panels each there, and that was it. Were you driving then, or anything, or was it buses and cars? Buses and it was public transport ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Brilliant for every mission. Yeah, yeah. if cars were a luxury, mm. and I know that there were people that were doing most of their missions by car. Not me, man. A lot of super serious riders went that way I never I don't know how to drive I love the mission me neither man I love the mission although saying that I was a fucking lazy writer so I predominantly stayed local <laughs> with my yards but um, nah I went I remember um, Wanna had gone and uh, he'd, he'd gone camping down in Sussex and he'd gone and done on his own so a few days after doing that Thing. I think I was like I just thought I was, maybe I one has been to, maybe I'll go and try that so I just phoned him up and went how did you how did you get in there and he went oh yeah you just walk in off the yeah the the, 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 cross, the crossing on the road so I was like okay cool went down there on my own done that um and then that was it I was just I was just off on one I got I remember getting a phone call from Khan's going yeah man you did New Cross on your own respect man because they ran for like three weeks all that stuff banging because there was six trains all of them got bombed by Mescom Puke I did a few tags and all our panels were just running for like six weeks man and they ended up on Digital Jungle Deck asked me to write a story about it so this is in the times where we were still a bit naive on the internet so I just wrote the whole story of what Mm -hmm. I've done literally what I've just told you (laughs) Uh, but then a few months later I got nicked because I'd been hanging around with this guy Drape and yeah. uh, he got nicked and he had my name number and tag written down in his diary so um, so it was like January 2000 so it was literally a month or so maybe January, February a month or so after I f- first started doing trains yeah. I'd been I think I'd actually been out the night before on a mission so there's no way I was waking up and our doorbell's ringing, ee, ee, and my mum comes into my room and she's like, I don't know who it is, but someone just phoned and said, is Marcus there? And I hung up and I was like, oh, it's BTP. I was like, you know it. just let him in, mum, just let him in. There's nothing I could say. The, the, the fortunate thing, or maybe fortunate, unfortunate, Drape had been nicked two weeks before. Right. 
so as soon as he got nicked I was like oh this is this is a bit close to home yeah so I chromed my my room at that point at that time was bronxed tiny little box room bronxed ink tags paint tested paint tags it was a mess man if my family must have thought what is going on with this kid man many writers parents were just like what the fuck yeah troubled this is problems (laughs) (laughs) so BT come in I'd chromed over all of my tags and they're like Spencer Richards and uh, Brian Taylor walk in and Spencer's like oh you knew we were coming didn't you and I was like "Mm, yeah whatever and then they searched for all my stuff took a few things took me to Ladywell Police Station grilled I thought I was so smart man I was like nah I don't want a duty solicitor nah 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 I'll deal with it on my own and I didn't know about no commenting at that point. Mm. So they were like, blah, 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 ask me questions. And I was being a little smart ass. Like, Give yeah, yeah, no, nah, yeah, yeah. no, nah, yeah, no. Nah. And they, <coughs> they started like getting me twisted up. Of course. And, yeah, because yeah, they're the pros. Yeah, man. They got they got me big time. So I just ended up going guilty. Yeah. And I got a, got a, um, what's it called? Uh, what's it called? A caution. I got a caution. So I remember them saying to me, yeah, we know that you went into New Cross Depot with Mess Compute and we've got video footage of you. It was only them two running around. And I was like, but they must have only had two people running around. It wasn't three. I went on my own. And I tried my best to say, no, 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 I went on my own. And they were like, no, 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 we know that all three of you went together. And I was like, what have you got to tell us about those two? I was like, no, I can't tell you anything. I don't know know them. Anyway, um, yeah, I got a caution. And so I thought, shit, that's it. I'm done. Cruds is no more. Yeah. Finished. So then, um, what did your mum say? She's, you know what, my mum's the the coolest mum, man. She, I don't think she even told me off. She just, she, I can't remember. I, I'm waiting afraid, for I think, you to learn from your lesson, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. She, she like, I'm so thankful. I did, I've made my mum a photo book for her birthday. It was her sixtieth a few weeks ago, Perfect. and I, I wrote her a long message. And then in there, I said, "Thank you for allowing me to be whatever I wanted to be, and never telling me off, and never telling me to be anything else, because." Not many people get that from their no. parents, man. That's she brilliant. really gave me freedom to be who I was. And so I can't remember her telling me off ever. So I, I can't right. remember what happened, but I remember, kind of remember coming home and just feeling a bit embarrassed and, you know, upset about it. But Did you think you were done then? Yeah, I thought, that's it, man. No more trains for me. And then um, <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think, I, I, think I, I think I spoke to Khan about it. And uh, he was like, just just change your name and change your style. <laughs> you only got a caution. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, dear, damn, man. Yeah, so that was it. I just started practicing with a new name. And originally it was Upon, O-U-P-O-N. Uh-huh. But I didn't really like the, let- the way the letters rolled. So, um, so I just made an anagram and made Pono. Um, it didn't really have any meaning but I just liked the way it rolled and yeah. I, it was kind of inspired um, one of the guys from LDS did a nano panel which mm-hmm. I really liked I was really into LDS stuff mm-hmm. really liked their like you know people call it anti-style now but they it wasn't even it didn't have a name they just wanted to do their own thing they painted differently yeah or, they just, or unconventionally yeah. yeah very much so and they just they just thought like graphs illegal it's counterculture why should it have rules they were like fuck the rules man it's so gonna nuts, do our this thing. whole culture this culture we're in is it's an anti-establishment no rule culture full of rules more rules than i have in my normal life man. yeah more rules than there are that it rebels against yeah there's more rules in it 
then it actually rebels against. It's mad. Yeah. I think a lot of people get so caught up in that shit. And I, mm. I'm, I've always had an open mind and that's why I loved the Excel stuff and the LDS stuff. And I've, I've always liked the full spectrum of graph. I've never been like particularly allied to, I only like wild style or mm-hmm. I only like this. I like all of it. I mean, there's, there's loads of shit, but when like whatever style it's, it is, is done well, you can see that it's done well. Yeah. And you know, like when you talk about anti-style, there are people that are clearly not very good artistically speaking who would just do it as a as a easy get out for not having style. Yeah. Whereas the guys from LDS were fucking good writers. And they broke it down. Yeah. Yeah. And that's for me, that's really important in any, you know, discipline, whether it's music or whatever, is to if you become a master, then you can break it down. It's the only way you can do it. There yeah. isn't short I've tried shortcuts in many of my little routes that I go down with my art. Um you can't. It doesn't work. Nah man. You might you might get a little success. You might drop two pieces. Wicked, yeah, yeah, I did it. I've actually done that with graffiti, actually. I've done a couple of paintings where I crossed barriers, like, went far with it, like, fucking hell, D, what the hell? Try and do that again, son. Nah. <laughs> nah, you ain't that guy, that's why. <laughs> you need to master more, right, yeah, <laughs> before man. you can... It takes a lifetime. It really does. So, so I, yeah, I, I, it just, yeah, it, it just didn't stop, man. That, that... That should have been a wake-up call. It just, yeah, it was... And the documenting is still part of it. Yeah, a little bit, man. But, you know, just of my own stuff then, of the, the trains and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if I was... I was still going to Halls of Fame and everything, but I was just... I wasn't as concerned... It slows down, doesn't with, it? Yeah, with taking pictures of other people's stuff. Yeah. It was just... All my camera film, all my money went on processing camera films that were full of panels. Amazing. And that and that and that partnership with Khan and and with Mesk, they were my two main partners in crime, man. And both of those guys were were solid partners in crime, man. And and people that you could just like, you know, when you're rolling with someone, you need to be able to just talk about everything, mm. not just graph, man. Like life. Mm. And Khan's a little bit older, so he had a bit more of a like mentoring kind of vibe. Mesk couple of years younger than me but you know we're from the same area he went to my actually went to my secondary school like I knew him kind of like before and growing up there yeah and then he got expelled but like yeah it's funny actually when he first turned up because he was hanging around with Drape and those guys and I met Drape weirdly I'd been to Grove Park Hall of Fame this is still when I was taking pictures and stuff yeah did a little pencil tag as I was going down to like Chiselhurst or somewhere and uh Drape and this other guy Kel big shout to Kel um came and sat down and they saw the tag and they were like, Drake was like, Oi, did you just do that tag? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I'm Drape. And I was like, oh shit, Sick. you're Drape. Wicked, cool. And then we ended up being like sort of partners for a little bit. And yeah, one time I was hanging out with him and Mesk turned up and I was like, I know you. Yeah. You went to my school. So yeah, there's all these little connections, man. That's nice, but yeah, man. That, that period, the year 2000, I, was, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, studying, I was just working full-time at Gap, earning my money, and just, and just yeah, just knee-deep in Have you got trains, any, man. at that time, do you have any aspirations for what your life's going to be like? No, I just, I just wanted to go to uni, though. I, I wanted to just get to uni, um, you know, continue to succeed academically, but I didn't really have, like, a clear vision of 
I want to be this or I want to be that. So the course that I chose at uni was very generic. Mm -hmm. It was called cultural media studies and it was just, it covered everything from like sociology to documentary making, studying adverts and semantics and loads and loads of really, if I was doing it now, I'd, I'd have been so much more committed, but I was fresh at uni and just, yeah. you know, young and first time away from home. So just going out and getting pissed all the time. But Where did you go? Bristol. Bristol, wicked. Best place, man. Yeah. Best, best place. I chose to go there because of drum and bass. Ronnie. Yeah. Amazing. And it was a really good course and I really enjoyed it. I didn't I didn't really get my head down as much as I should have done. Did you paint just, up there? Nah. So you had a kind of three year break then? Nah, I was coming back to London. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> I was coming back to London a lot. Uh, just getting the bus back, the coach back down. Yeah, the cheap coach. Yeah, because I just... I just wasn't interested in painting in Bristol. I think I painted like one Hall of Fame the whole time I was there. Right. But it was just a different life. I, I, one of the things that was really big for me was like live, living quite a double life. Uh -huh. And I never really told people that I did graffiti. Not because I was ashamed. I just wanted it to be my my secret. Yeah. And, and especially when you get away from home. So it can be completely separate as yeah. well. You're in a completely different city. A couple of people found out. And then one of my flatmates in the first year like just started doing tags to try and like impress me or I don't know, I yeah. don't know. it was weird but he, yeah he just started doing tags around the place and I was like <laughs> so, no, no, it doesn't work like what that what are you doing mate you don't have to do that man yeah. I was trading photos with like the and a few other people you know and yeah but at uni I just I was just that was it I was at uni I was just doing Boom. my thing going out partying you know how to compartmentalise things then. Yeah, man. And then coming back to London and painting whenever I could. With Khan and Mesk. Khan, Mesk. That's what, I mean, like, yeah, we kind of like, STD was kind of around before I was in it. Mm -hmm. But then it kind of petered out because it was kind of like, it was like Touch and Blink and Brains and those guys. And it was a, a, a semi kind of joke. So it was like, and then that kind of got superseded by other crews. And then when Khan and I started painting together and I sort of changed my name, he was like, yeah, stick up STD. Like you don't like, cause XL is kind of connected to CRUD. So stick up STD. So then I just ran with it and I was just banging oh, up. Oh fuck. Pano well, STD, did you put Pano up XL, XL as well? Yeah. Yeah. They I remember the CRUD XL piece. You just said that. And I was just like, ping, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. They put me in XL and uh, I remember those pieces. Yeah, man. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that is, it was nice for me, man, because mm. I just I got put down with a crew that I've really respected. Khan, Khan is an absolute gent. I've only met him once, and I just felt gent. I met Proper him at a fashion show. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> I was doing a fashion show, a rare kind one, at, at, at a fashion show, a mm. catwalk. And <clears throat> he just come up, he's like, yeah, I'm right. I'm like, oh, right. I was like, oh my God, done. His letter style, his commitment, and then... Like you say, when you see him in Tottenham Hall of Fame, you're like, yeah, who man. the fuck? Really? <laughs> oh my God, what an absolute star. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so he was, yeah, he showed me so many yards, man. And he showed me how to like cut, cut the fence. And he just instilled in me this real like genuine, uh, like just care and attention to, to, to doing yards. Like we do, a yards, mm -hmm. X yards, and then leave it for a few months, not rinse it. And calmly he would do that. Yeah. yeah. And just do it, scope it, do it, in and out, 
wouldn't even wouldn't even go around bombing just do our panels out and um yeah he was he was a really really good person to operate with man very very much a mentor in life and in graph boom and then um and then yeah mesk was myself myself boy man mm. just he lived down the road from me go to his house i knew his mom he knew my mom Brilliant. hang out without they're just you know any random night of the of the week be like yo what are you up to do you want to go and do a yard yeah yeah let's go man or sometimes he'd say no so i just go on my own there's quite a few times i just go yard on my own because i just thought sod it might mm. as well i did a lot of yards by myself it's probably actually sometimes more enjoyable than painting with other people i preferred man. it man yeah i painted with what quite wild people though um so yeah when i started to paint i did my first by myself and it was years later that i done other things and I was just like oh my god this is the shit and I felt so much better about it partly my graffiti things are to do with my ego a lot to do with my ego mm. and so by doing it by myself as well it was another and same as going out there trackside streets all mostly by myself because it pushed my ego higher you, you've done even more because you're by yourself you yeah. don't need backing never drunk never took drugs while I was out there either same because it was all about use your power mm-hmm yeah, it was another stamp for me to do it by myself. Yeah, same. I was chatting to Mesk about this recently, actually, and he was like, ne- I literally never would have gone yards drunk or high, man. No. Never, ever, ever. Because you just, you know, even doing track sides and stuff, just you just wanted to be sharp and, and as aware as possible, man. Mm. I never got it. My mate Gareth, hot one, I remember bringing him out on a London mission once. We were living in Brighton. I used to come up quite a lot when I moved down there and do as many street dubs as possible. So I brought him and Rosa up once. Me and Rosa did it a couple of times. We brought Gareth with us once and he fucking dropped a pill halfway through. What? And he didn't tell us. <laughs> and we're in Miranda Acton Burley Bridge and he's fucking coming up. And I'm like, have you done something, Gene? He's like, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, you fucking have, man. You've got to go, bruv. I'm sorry, man. We're on our way to Ali, pa- um, Ali Pali to go and hit them black and red trains. I was like, you can't come, man. I can't, I can't do this with you like this. And what a He liability. just popped off down the tracks. Fucking <laughs> high as a kite. It's too dangerous, fine. man. It's too dangerous. Too, too dangerous. Yeah, too, yeah too not too my cup of tea. Man. So, yeah, man. That the So, 2000, yeah, went went off to uni. Uh, went to Australia. Yeah? That was my first time out of the UK. I went, jumped on the plane because my nan's best friend emigrated there like 50 years ago. So, I went to go and stay with her. Wicked. Linked up with Sense. So, when I was there, <laughs> he, he linked me up with some of his KOC boys. Fucking so hell. Did a little bit of painting in Sydney. How long did you stay there? I was there for five weeks. Man. Oh, amazing, man. Yeah. Yeah, good enough to take it all in properly. Yeah, and like, there's, I mean, you know, it's completely different to London, man. The, mm. the hand styles, the, it was like full colour burners down the tracks, man. I was like, bloody hell, these guys are on it. Yeah. Saw a few panels running. It was, yeah, it was good. It was a good time, man. And they're um, American style trains, those American trains with the ridges. Yeah, yeah. Metal and double decker trains. Yeah. Nuts. Um, and yeah, met, met some really cool people over there came back went to Paris linked up so so then yeah started having um, people from Europe started sort of getting to to know like you know through the the network that we had Mm. um, people started getting to know or like friends of mine had friends from Europe who needed to be taken out to places so then I started taking people from Belgium people from Paris taking them to yards and they were coming over and I was like a bit of a like gatekeeper I guess in a Mm. way I'm sure there were lots of other people that were getting busy, but you know these people coming staying at my mum's, yeah. and I'd take them out to do 
back chumps yards and stuff a few Australians so then I started going over to Europe and going to their places and did Paris Metro and loads of other bits and pieces got nicked in Paris 2005 I was quite far into my career though spent a couple it, of days in jail so I never train painting for me was as I said ego was my thing mm. so it's really about as much as I could get my name out there and ticking a train was really what I had to do because I knew when I was painting them they weren't running they're going straight to the buff mm. our generation pretty mm. much and especially North London trains straight to the buff um, you became part of like a the proper train writing like the London train writers you were part of that proper scene like, yeah it was it's weird I don't really it's very different to what I experienced I just, it's, and I've had a few people talk about it Andy Andy was part of it yeah man you know like there was a proper like just the constant flow just always the odds always the odds aim for the yard aim for the yard yeah constant. I don't I just it was just it was just fun man if yeah. you if you really the funnest. break it down it was the funnest yeah. of all the activities we can do in the culture it's the funnest if you, definitely if you really break it all down man <clears throat> I mean there there are there are lots of other elements and factors that make it what it is and de- ego has a massive part to play yeah the, the adventure I think everyone has that in it but different I, levels I loved cutting a fence man I loved cutting a fence so much I loved that whole physical action of cutting a fence I loved the um, you know infiltrating, being in a place you're not supposed to be in. The scent, the, like the, the scent, when you got into your flow of like creative, like actually painting and the flow of doing it, and again the physical act, and then looking around and being super aware, but also being like in your piece, but also super aware of what's going around you. This weird, weird juxtaposition yeah. of awareness but focus in something and around you. It's like there's nothing else that I've really experienced that's like that. And it, your act is beautiful. Yeah. So again, it's another weird twist to the whole story. You've broken into, the, you've caused criminal damage getting into this place. You know mm. what I mean? You're, you're, you're on land you shouldn't be on. You're touching property that's not yours. And yet the thing you're producing, you're not stealing anything. Yeah. You're not smashing windows. You're not taking, you're not, no, I'm painting a painting. This is a painting. This is creative output painting. Yeah, man. But it, it's such a weird thing. It There's a couple of times I've been to yard with writers like you and it's, it's so different. <laughs> like I look on and I'm literally in awe because it's not how I'm doing it. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and it's, you see this whole thing going on, this world happening around them. It's, yeah, awe inspiring, man. Like, yeah. It was a, it was a really good time. Like 2000, 2001, was um yeah it was a it was a really good time man uh so like yeah so there was like was me mask steez was a oh, sort of on off um the god crime yeah he's he's saint steez he is he was like one of the best people to go yards with he was such a ninja yeah such a ninja man um and then i linked up with um, the wsr guys mm. So I, was, I went snag. Went, nah, um, Piz. Oh yeah, bitch sorry, went out that's with right. R.I.P. to bitch. Yeah. Um, Disco linked up with those guys. Mm. Um, it's a massive network out there, isn't there? Yeah, of serious writers. It's funny, man. Like, it's such a weird thing because you know, like I got that phone call from Khan after I'd done New Cross. Like, once you're you sort of pop your head up above the parapet, people start to sort of go, yeah, okay, yeah. 
Do you want to come and link yeah, up yeah, and we'll yeah. go to your yard? So you end up traveling around all these different places. See, I, I, my head popped up and I missed that. <laughs> I did. People said it and I was like, nah, I'm all right. Um, nah. And I missed it. <laughs> and I, cause I don't know. Oh, you dick. He was there. That person was there. You could have, <laughs> I went on quite, I did quite a bit, but I know I could have done so much more if oh, I just man. would have been a bit more aware of my, I think cannabis had a lot to do with it. Really? I, I sold a lot. By the time I was train painting properly, I was living in Brighton. I didn't do much whilst I lived in London. So I left in 2000, moved to Brighton. I did loads for the first like five years of being there. But it was, I was selling lots of weed, smoking lots of weed. So I just wasn't always like, yeah, I'm smacking these whole cars, but I'm staying home tonight, man. I'm not. Wow. See, yeah. <laughs> I'd, 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 have a, I'd sometimes have a drink after work, but I was like completely anti-drugs, man. Well, so yeah, like, yeah. I was yeah, just... I've been using cannabis since day one, like, <laughs> since before. Like, it's stuck with me. I was just, I was just, yeah, no, it was just, I think, yeah, graffiti was just the thing, man. So, uh, what else was going on, man? What, uh, what does it lead to? Like, so you, you do your three years in uni, you get that done, mm. you get a degree? Yep. And get a degree. degree you yeah. come back to the city or is that when you go to Australia no that was before uni that was at the end of my okay. gap year, year quote yeah. unquote not definitely not the same kind of gap year that all the, the other students yeah yeah this was a working gap year <laughs> yeah, yeah. like all these people were like yeah I went to India went to here went to there <laughs> I was like yeah I was working yeah. and then I went to Australia oh did you go here did you go there uh, no I was just staying with my nan's friends just chilling <laughs> did a bit of graph what <laughs> um yeah, so I'll tell you what, um, rest man, rest is one of the guys ATG. who I really miss because rest. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he, man. He was a little bit of a partner in crime from with me for a while. That's well, another man. lovely guy right there. Yeah, he was super cool, man, and he was out there, and he was one of the first people that was doing like mad rooftops, like he did Tuffnell Park Station. Yeah, and he did um, oh, Centerpoint. Did that thing next to Centerpoint before even. Um, Revoke went up there. Yep. And before Ozone went up there, Rest was one of, I think he was the first one to go up there. Um and just all the, all these spots he was doing. So he was a he was a Such partner a with me. Myth, I was painting with Oh yeah, I remember lot. him. Did yard with I I was with Tox when he did one of his first toxic panels. Amazing. Did, did a few things with Tox. So yeah, because they a lot of these guys they were coming to buy paint off me because I was getting all this. How like, did you start was, selling it then? Yeah, I was selling it from my house. Sick. Yeah, so Steez was doing Montana. He was going over to Spain and that's right, grabbing getting loads of Montana, and yeah. I was doing Belton. So there were times when I was at uni where I'd get a phone call from like DPM going. Yo, are you at home? And I'd go, nah, 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 but my mum's home. So my mum would like go, yeah, yeah, come in. They'd leave Sick. the money with my mum. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Buying all this chrome and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I forgot to mention that. So that was a... That was I a didn't really know good, that. Yeah, man. I just because I was just buying such an excess. It wasn't like it wasn't a massive business, and I no. had. I still don't have any business acumen, and I had none at the time. But I had a lot of paints. So I was doing and, it was just, and a load of friends that were writers. And yeah, man. Yeah, so like, might as well. I sold paints at Element, Myth, DPM. Uh, some of the local guys yeah man quite a few people boom um yeah we were just we were getting really busy man really really busy i got nicks a second time in 2002 with uh rest and myth and uh that was a bit of a difficult one man because we all pretty much got caught red-handed and we don't know i don't we don't really know why but we're on the way out of the yard trying to find a night bus stop and bt rolled up and just took us and i was on bail for a while had to go to and from court so i had to come back from uni like every couple Shit. of weeks and by that point 
like in my final year at uni in the middle of all that in my second year at uni I broke my wrist when I went yard once so I had a few fuck ups that yeah. were like messing up my studies and um, it kind of started making me have second thoughts and start thinking shit this is having an impact on your life and could impact your future yeah and I mean and then I got nicked again and in 2003 and I remember coming home to my mom's and just feeling like feeling like such a dick man because like you know I was 20 22 23 by that point and I just thought fuck man I can't keep on doing this to my mom mm-hmm. <laughs> she doesn't really like let on that she minds or not but I I'm starting to mind now so yeah need to start calming it down then I came when I came back from uni I was straight into working full-time as a journalist so is that what you decided you wanted to do yeah I did I did work at spirit I went into like the lads mag industry yeah because someone that I know who I can't name was uh, a writer was working at a magazine and he got me work experience wicked and I went I went to loaded first did work experience there then what I went were you doing ju- at, uh, like initially <laughs> was it just helping giving out the mail I, had, yeah. I was just thinking about this the other day this was any women that are listening this was back when you know the world was like this is way before me too this is when lads, lads mags were just not okay anymore are they really no and um, I was working at Loaded I was go- there was one day where they were doing like castings for models so the cu- girls would come with their um, their portfolio to show our picture editor and they were like, right, Marcus, got a job for you today. You're going to go down to reception and you're going to pick up all the girls that are coming in. And I was like, <laughs> my tongue was hitting the floor. I was like 21 years old and just meeting all these glamour models yeah. and taking them up in the lift to, wow. Just baffled constantly. Yeah. And then I ended up working in the men's magazine industry. So I was like interviewing glamour models, going on topless shoots, going to model parties and raving up the West End and having this complete different lifestyle to being a student I was earning decent money more money per word back then 2003 than I earn per word now yeah I've heard that actually (laughs) yeah so I've heard that did you was it journalism you wanted to do then yeah well I just as I said when you got into that when you upload and you start writing yeah it was it just it just felt right man It, it came so naturally to me and my first few paychecks I was like damn I can earn this much money just from writing stuff I want to yeah I'm going to stick with this then I got a job at the Daily Sport up in Manchester so I moved up there for three years wow basically working for a porn magazine Mm. Um, I ended up having this my own little regular feature called Barnsley's Babes where I'd go around to an amateur glamour model's house and do a photo shoot with them with their boobs out doing like domestic stuff like it was so sexist man (laughs) It was so it's a different time, sexist, man. yeah. I actually, I have to say, like, there's probably a few guys out there going, yeah, go on, bruv. I feel a bit ashamed of that yeah, stuff Yeah, no, now, it's not going, bruv, at all. that's not where my head is at no. at all. And really and truly, even back then, my head wasn't really into that. But, like, I can't all my mates would be like, boy, look I at you, I can't imagine man. it was. I, the type of person you seem to have grown to be, and those, I can't imagine you were 100% comfortable but it was your 2021. Every shoot. Getting a big check. I'd come back to the office after every shoot and my boss would go, so did you shag him then? I'd be like, no. Every single time, did you shag him? No. And like, and then take the piss out of me. Come on, you must, what, you didn't shag? 
no, I didn't. I'm there to do a job. And yeah, I know, like, this is work, isn't it? Yeah, and I'd like, you know, it's really difficult to explain. And this, my whole career in journalism has been, all the types of journalism that I've done have been types of journalism that aren't really work, but they're work. Mm-hmm. So men's magazines slash porn, then showbiz for tabloid newspapers and now music. So if you tell someone that that's your job, they're like, oh my God, that's your job. You get paid to do that. <laughs> Whoa. But I've always tried to maintain a degree of professionalism. With yeah, any of no those. matter what. My job kind of now is like, like part of it is going to raves, going to festivals, reporting on them and stuff like that. You know, wow, amazing for me. Dream right. job. I still have to do the job. Yeah, like, got to work it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Like, I get to know. go to the festival and have fun. Yes, but I have to do the job. Yeah, and it's it is fun, man. And I'm never going to pretend that it's not. But it's still a job, and yeah. there are there so I, many. I times. feel the same in here. I do feel the same in here, man. I have friends who have who have nine to fives. They'll come in, oh, fucking old demon. You don't know the half, mate. It might look colourful, but fuck me, it's dark in here sometimes. Yeah, man. And you're on your own. Yeah. And you've got no one to talk to. You haven't even left the office all day. Yeah, the tax bill's fucking not paid. Yeah, this, man. That, yeah. You've got yeah. to manage your own finances, all that stuff. You know, there are, you know, there are so pros Glass is always greener, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose definitely. your mates have seen that for all the different jobs you've had. So yeah, like, man. What? Fucking loaded? Yeah, like everyone. Especially that age. Everyone thought I was the boy, man. Like, literally, like, barn, like Barnsley's babes. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Fuck? Yeah, that is... A, I haven't looked at any of those shoots for such a long time now. I just... They make me cringe. They make me feel a bit funny, man. I bet. But you know what? A fucking interesting part of your history. Yeah, definitely. And I tell you what, it's too recent for you to look back and laugh properly at it. Yeah. In 20 years, you'll be like, fucking hell, that tiny little bitch. Remember I did that? That yeah, was hilarious. That, that, what that a horrible time in the, the world's, p- world's fucking ethics, but, <laughs> and morals. <laughs> yeah, we were peaking at that point with them magazines, man. That was For taking sure. the fucking piss. <laughs> Definitely, man. What the hell? So, um, so, you know, it was, it, it, I, I really enjoyed it and I, I, I learned to, I learned that I was capable of just, you know, my natural ability to write mm-hmm. was the gateway to making money. So that was it. I was just like, yeah, I'm I'm into this, man. I'm going to keep on doing whatever I can do to earn money and, you know, apply for jobs and work for this place and work for that place. Got a job at The Sun. Came back to London from Manchester, worked at The Sun as a tv reporter and then went onto the showbiz desk looking after the showbiz section on the website overnight for wow. a few years got made redundant went to the daily mail i mean i hated it man yeah i can't imagine you liked the mail i hated all of it but it was just i didn't really think that i had any other options so but this just, is all, all for your 20s though isn't it yeah man yeah so early doors yeah you can't no option, sorry. It's like your mum moving you out of Croydon. Nope, sorry. You, you you got to fucking earn your stripes. before, And earn your stripes to get a position, but also earn your stripes to figure out what you what you want to write and what you want to say and who you want to be with and who you want to be. In your 20s, you've got to run it all. Training that I got at those tabloids was second to none. Yeah, I bet. And it's like, it's the foundation of most of what I do now, man. Brilliant. Um, and there were some, there were some all right people that I worked with um actually my boss at the daily mail she was in the she rockers in the 80s yeah yeah man 
Wow. Yeah, big shout to Donna. She was, and she, oh, and when she found out that I did graph, because eventually it, it sort of, I let slip. Yeah. She was like, yeah, I used to hang around on the Metropolitan line with, with what's his name, with Drax and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? Oh, shit. Yeah, man. And she like, she was like, yeah, like I remember going to New York and this and that and the other. And like, I was like, my boss is a G. Damn. And from the mail as well. Yeah. Damn, was, that's she, amazing to hear. She was the showbiz editor online. Amazing. Yeah. And like, you know, black woman from South London with Boom. dreadlocks. Boom. And I was like, safe. She rocking safe. it. Killer. Yeah, man. Amazing. So so that that was... Uh, but Graf was really starting to slow down. Like when I went to <clears> Manchester, <throat> I wasn't painting very much. That the last time I got nicked in 2003, as I said, that really affected me, man. I was like, was that the stopping the trains? Sorry, did you stop trains after that? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, I like. I I got nicked with. um, You know, I I won't. I won't name one of the people, but one of them is sadly now no longer with us. Feco, man. (sighs) Um, We we got nicked. Three of us got nicked together, and we got a NFA in the end. Yeah. but yeah, it was it was just yeah. My, I know what my, you mean. My head was all over the place, man, and I just didn't really. I I always thought to myself, uh, it's not going to be forever. You know, some people are lifers out there, and I, mm. I you know respect to you for doing that, man. That's a commitment. But that was never my commitment. I love graph, and I'll do it for the rest of my life. But the train thing, it just it just didn't make sense anymore, man. And it was really. I didn't. I, I I literally basically just stopped painting almost full stop. Yeah. Because I felt like I had. I still had that that hardcore train mentality where it was like paint for the yard. Walls. Yeah, paints for the yard. Yeah, walls are lame, man. Even though I started out as a wall writer. Yeah. I thought, nah, I don't want to do. I couldn't justify the transition the transition was very difficult for me and it I, becomes that's what i was saying earlier about these like the serious train painters you you pass a line yeah you're like you do, you're, man. it's gone i remember hanging out with real hardcore train painters and be about to go out and paint a wall and they'd be like no i'm not painting and you know it upset me a bit <clears throat> but i get it you're just gonna you're gonna spend the same four hours with us you're just not gonna paint on the wall I found it so boring, man. Yeah. And I, I just, I got so bored so quickly and I just felt like it was a waste of paint and all these, ju- it was very, I think it was very juvenile, man. I think there are, you know, I had a lot, I held a lot of, I was young anyway, so I have to forgive myself, but I held a lot of juvenile views, views which I definitely don't adhere, I, I have in my mind nowadays, you know, yeah. like, used to think that people that painted on weekends, weekend warriors, and I'd mm-hmm. like cuss them and like, I'd never understand. I'd like, if you're you're an older writer that used to do trains, why don't you do trains anymore, man? What's wrong with you? And just mm. like, you know, just arrogant. But young. of course, you're in the middle of it. You're smacking it, and it seems well. It's us. Yeah. Why are you like not doing what we do? Why are you? We're doing it. Yeah, and I, I like. I obviously started there, and I liked Walls of Fame, but just you know, I was so so deep into it, I was just like, nah. But then eventually, I I, I think I went through a lot of mental trauma having to make that decision that nah trains no more man and but then it was like oh i can just go overseas i'll just go to italy and do trains there i'll go to easy places overseas and carry on but eventually it just i don't know i, I can't it asked really... a lot of you didn't it and i think it the other thing you've got in your life i'm not saying no one else has but you had options yeah so there were other things to look at and concentrate at 
and nurture, <clears throat> which were like, and it's hard to let go of the funnest thing ever. The funnest. It's why I haven't stopped smoking cannabis. Mm. <laughs> yeah, man. I bet. It's hard to let go of the funnest thing ever. And yeah, it would have been hard for you to be like, I tell you what, it was, it was jokes sometimes though, like going on these foreign trips or even maybe, I can't remember if I was still really going yard that much when I was at the tabloids, but definitely coming back from some of the foreign trips and the people at work would be like, so how was Italy? And would be like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. You had lovely walks through Rome. Wait, one time <laughs> there was, there was this one, one of the funniest moments at work, man was when um, Koi and Banos did a train in Singapore. Yeah. And it was on Singapore News. Yeah, And that. it ended up on all of our, like, news rock wires. Yeah. And then our editor was like, right, so we need to write about this. So I ended up writing the story. Did you? Yeah. Amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, I, like and, like... I was like, this is... That is surreal. Because I was hanging... When, when he lived here, I was hanging out with Banos and all the Aussie guys. And like, oh, so I, shit. Like, I knew them all quite well. And it was just... I was like, fucking, this is hilarious, man. This is so funny. And then Koi got nicked and he ended up getting, like, lashes on That's it, right, man. yeah. <laughs> that was so weird, man. I remember so that happening. weird. What a crazy thing. Where did you write that? What, when I was at the Mail Online. At the Mail, yeah. Yeah, Amazing. I was m- mostly doing showbiz there, but I did a bit of, like, I could flit over to like news or like yeah. sometimes I'd even do like science and stuff if the science person wasn't in. But yeah, that was some crazy times. But yeah, that I just, it just started to just peter out a little bit. I linked up with Bino. We were doing from LDS and we were doing loads and loads of walls together. And I just started enjoying it again. In a different vein. Yeah. I just, I, were you I'm, painting in a different vein or? Yeah, kind of. It was when I first, I bumped into him at, Tottenham and um, I'd I'd met him a few years before we'd gone to try and do somewhere together like back in like 2000 2001 and didn't end up doing it but yeah I just I rec- I saw him at Tottenham recognised him and we swapped numbers and then we just became like Hall of Fame partners in crime just like best buddies man like we did I can't remember what year it was 2008 maybe we decided at the beginning of the year let's try and clock like 100 walls so we just spent like every I was working like funny shifts so often I'd be able to just be free during the day and so so could he because he I'm not going to say what he does for a job but like yeah yeah. um, we'd just be able to meet up during the day so we'd just paint and paint and sometimes do two pieces each the style that he does or he was doing he could sometimes do three or four yeah so by the end of the year, I think I'd done like 120 something. He'd done about 150. Wicked. And that was wicked. It was like, you know, it wasn't, I look back at the pieces and they weren't great, but it definitely helps me to improve, refine my skills yeah. and to just get back into thinking, you know what, walls are okay, man. Mm. And just to grow up a little bit and to be around someone who, um, you know, had done hundreds of trains, but was also on the same mindset. Yeah, as you. okay with doing walls, man. Yeah. So we had a really good thing going, man. And we spent about two, three years painting together a lot and really getting to know each other. And um, yeah, that that was a. We went to Italy together and did a few bits over there. And while we were there, while we were there, was when all the stuff kicked off with YRP, which led on to my case. Theirs was called oh fuck. What's their operation? So that's Sarah's Operation and, Jurassic. Yeah, Sarah's an Omni. 
Uh, oh no, Omni wasn't in it. No, it was, yeah. yeah, so it was Keres, Keres and Bice, yeah, that's and it. a few others. And while we were in Operation Jurassic, it was called. While we were, we were in Italy, I got a phone call from G Money, I think it was, and mm-hmm. he was like, "Yeah, it's kicking off. <laughs> it's all kicking off, man." Like. They kicked off Keres's door, blah blah blah. Everyone's everyone's getting getting nicked, and I was like, shit, because I'd been on tour on tour with them yeah. in Europe. So I was like, fuck. Okay, I'm okay. Nothing's happened yet. And no UK panels with them. Nah, just just yeah. pure overseas stuff. But I thought, shit. What if like when I get back, when I fly back to the UK, they're waiting for me at customs. So I was yeah. like, shit, myself. Nothing happened. But then slowly but surely, over the next few months other people close to me were getting nicked as well and a couple of them I met up with them and they were like yeah they've mentioned your name in interviews they know that you're Pano I was like oh they mentioned your real name yeah they were like we know that Pano is Marcus Barnes and I was like oh fuck (laughs) this is not good man yeah and I went into I went into an absolute spin I was beside myself because I was like shit 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 there's nothing I can do said and trying to work as well yeah trying to work and I said, I had to say to my mum, mum, like, even though I've stopped, like, this is going on, like, they might come. So just to warn you, like, I hated having to tell her that. Of course. And, I was, and she was like, oh, no, it's fine. Don't worry. It's cool. And, um, and, but nothing happened. But I was just like, really, really stressed and paranoid. And I was just like, fuck, man, when are they going to come? Because they, they're going to come at some point. Yeah. Know who I am. They're coming. And it wasn't until... I went up to a rave in Manchester and I just started seeing my my ex and uh, I came back from Manchester and I went to stay at hers in Bethnal Green. Mm. Came back on the Sunday, stayed with her. Excuse me. And then Monday morning, woke up, had a look at my phone and I had a text from my sister saying, the police are here. They're taking all your stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, fuck, this is bad. And this is, my nephew must have been four or five right. and there's like police in my house and it's just yeah just not good man so I went home tail between my legs and was like sorry about that mum blah 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 and they'd taken all my magazines and everything and uh, Seiso Colin Seiso had left a, a note saying you need to come and see us you know you're now there's a warrant now out for your arrest blah 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 fuck so I had to hand myself in at um, Ebury Bridge at Victoria Went there on the I phone, had to phone him up. He left his number, so I had to phone him up. Hello, Colin. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. What time do you want? Yeah, Thursday, 1 p.m. Okay. Went up to Victoria and uh, and he just arrested me on the spot. And he was like, I'm arresting you for criminal damage. And I'm also arresting you for encouraging the commission of criminal damage through a publication, namely Keep the Faith. And I was like, what? So quickly jump back. What happened? How did you? What, what was keep the faith and where did it come from? When I was working for the tabloids, I was just like, I just hated it so much. But you know, because I was getting really experienced as a journalist, I wanted to channel my experience into a passion project. So Bomala had been and gone. Yeah, I contacted uh, Bigfoot from um, Bomala and said, Big up. Can I do? A, yeah, big up can I do a bomb alert for? And he was like, oh, it's my baby, man. I don't really want to hand it over. And I was like, that's cool. So I just decided to do my own thing. So 
I think what well, it was, yeah, 2007 was when Ozone and Once died. Mm-hmm. And uh, fuck, Rest again, another another horrible morning, man. Woke up and had a message from Shrub who was like hanging out with Ozone quite a lot and the, the MP guys, big up mm. all you lot. And um, yeah, I had two different text messages from two different people that I knew saying like two graffiti writers died last night. And I was like, what? And then I found out it was Ozone and Once and I was like, oh no, this is horrible, man. And around this, this, around the same time, I can't remember if it was before or after, was when Knees and all the DPM guys were getting. And then there was like some of the FD, the new FDC guys, uh, Torch, and just there was just lots of heavy stuff going on. Man. Remember that poster that went out? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the wanted, want, the most wanted people. Yeah. yeah, so there's all this. I was living in Manchester at the time, but I was just, I think it being that far away actually made it hit even harder because yeah. I was like, I'm not even there yeah. with everybody. And so my, that was my first girlfriend at the time when I was in Manchester. She, she was like, why don't you do something, you know, positive? Why don't you do a magazine? And I was like, no, I can't do a magazine. No, 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 I won't do. A few years later, you know, it sort of ruminated in my mind. And I thought, yeah, actually, I'll do a magazine. So um, Bigfoot wasn't keen on me doing Bomb Alert 4. So I was like, sod it, I'll do my own thing. So um, it took took ages and ages to get it off the ground. Initially, I was just going to do a downloadable PDF, mm-hmm. but try and ask a train writer to give you photos for something that's going to be given out for free. <laughs> nah, bruv. Nah, 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 nah. So, um, so I was like, okay, I'll do. I'll print something. Safe. I'll print it. Yeah. And it was still like getting fucking blood out of a stone, man. Really, really, really difficult. Even though I know all these guys and they trust me, and it wasn't until two key people bombs and snag gave me loads of their photos that that kind of opened the floodgates and other people started donating photos as well so i did bomb alert uh, bomb alert did (laughs) keep the faith one and went pretty well again no business acumen just done it as a passion project for the love whole the whole idea was keep the faith you know like all this stuff has happened let's keep our spirits up let's be positive nothing nothing about go out and do graph just i'm documenting this and i want to just make a positive impression Mm. on people even you know the relatives of the people that have died or gone to jail like i just want everyone to Mm. to know that graph is continuing and that you know to instill some positivity in in their lives and hopefully brighten you know brighten yeah it wasn't for nothing and so it went well printed a thousand copies I was going to and from the post. I got. I managed to get it distributed all over the world. I was like hitting up all these different shops from like Texas to Finland to Brilliant. Australia, all over the place, spending shitloads of money at the post office. Mm. And I, I made zero cash from it. I actually lost money. I bet. <laughs> but we had loads of photos left over. So we thought, fuck it, let's do another one. And made much more of an effort to make it, because a lot of people said, oh, some of the photos are dark. It's not, you know... So we made a real effort to like make make it the best. Up the game. Be. Yeah, man. Did a second issue. Again, printed up a thousand. What year was this? So first one was 2009. The second one was 2011. Mm-hmm. Came out early 2011. And it, t- it took us ages to get it out. And we finally got it out. And I remember going out for a drink with Disco, who was the designer. And... Morn and a few others and on the way on the way home I was saying goodbye to Morn and he was like you need to be careful with what you're doing there 
because the magazine was just 100% trains almost, yeah. almost 100% trains. And he said, you need to be careful, man. They're going to come for you. And I was like, yeah, 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 cool, man. I'll be all right. And um, yeah, April 2011, second issue came out. And by December 2011 was when they raided my mum's and took all the, ma- the whatever, what was left. There was like 300 issues left, I think. Took them all, took all my paint. And then that Thursday comes, one o'clock, yeah, and man. he's just arrests you straight away on those two things. Yep. And I was like, I was like, huh? what, what is this? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I don't understand this. Had, had a duty solicitor her who was also completely baffled. At that they're trying to prosecute you for producing a magazine. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know got bailed got told to come back for an interview like two three months later went back and they just every time i went back they were just pulling out i mean this is what they do man they're not going to hit you with everything straight away and every time before the interview i'd be with a different duty solicitor because i never had the same person and every time i'd be like this is serious man they're they're gonna take this to court and they'll be like no 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 just no comment You'll be fine. It's only graffiti. And I was like, you don't you know don't how understand. these guys operate, yeah. man. And every time I'd go in and afterwards, they'd be like, whoa, so this is pretty serious. And I'd be like, yes, that's what I'm trying to yeah. tell you. Yeah. Listen my, to me. My bank records, all this travel stuff with like Eurostar bookings to here, there and everywhere. We know that you traveled with these people to these places. Oh, we fuck. have the bank records. We have this. We have that. We have phone records. We've taken your phone and we've been through your work phone and we found messages that you sent to. There was even one, there was this hilarious, so many hilarious moments as well as the heavy ones. There was this one point where they were like, I sent a message to my, my nan. I'm really close to my nan. Yeah sent a message to my nan saying like, oh, I'm really happy that the, the magazine's um, the magazine's looking good and I'm going to be sending it out, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, good luck. And, the, and this guy, I don't even know what his name was. I can't remember. So who's nan? Oh, fuck. Who's this? <laughs> <laughs> who's nan? Yeah, who's this pseudonym? Who is nan? Who, why has it got nan with a kiss? And I just, I was almost crying with oh laughter. And I just had to keep going, no <laughs> comment. <laughs> <laughs> why are you laughing who's nan and that was me- one of many Amazing. many many ridiculously crazy moments during that whole massive debacle how long did it go on for I was on bail for three years oh my god thank you big up to knees for sorting me out with your barrister uh, your solicitor dervisher from Boothroids. If anyone gets into any trouble, go to Boothroids because they are amazing. They know the game. Yeah, and he's... I, I can't remember how it happened. I think I might have phoned him up and just said, look, man. Sorry, said, look, man, there's there's a... You know, I'm, in, I'm in a bit of trouble. Um, and he was like, look, even though we got sent down, Dervisher is amazing. Speak to her. So I phoned her up and she was like, look, I can't represent you. Uh, until it goes to court because I, I, you, during the interview process you've you've um, yeah. you've asked this solicitor firm to represent you so I can't come in if you get uh, charged and, and put and told you you've got to go to court then I can step in and that's what happened so she came in represented me and she was amazing brilliant and so was my barrister, barrister Jürgen they're actually married that was a really funny wow. thing like I didn't even realise I remember going home to my my love of my life 
uh, Helena, who I love very much, and I remember going home to her at one at one point, going, I think I think my barrister and my solicitor, I think they might be having an affair or something because I think I think he's married, he's got a wedding ring on, but I think they might be, yeah, it's a bit dodgy. Oh man, he's my barrister, man. Why is he doing this? <laughs> they are married, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes. Um, yeah, man. So she started representing me, and then. Yeah, this whole long thing of like being on bail and then going to court and then it getting adjourned and then I was just fucking depressed, man. Yeah, it fucks your life up. Yeah, I've watched friends go through so that. It's horrible. Depressed, man. And you know, if it happened again, I'd probably probably be, you know, as depressed. But I, what that whole situation taught me was. There's the, the you can't control what's going on externally. Like ever. The world is not in your control and the more frustrated you get about it the more it fucks you up so throughout the whole of that bloody thing man i was just like why me why is this happening to me i'm such a good person i've mm. never done anything bad why is it happening to, oh poor me and just having this whole like dialogue narrative of like the victim playing the victim and i was a little bit of a victim of something but I made it, I amplified it by a million right. times by going, poor me, poor me, why, why, why? And not being able to accept what was going on. You know, what What I've been learning through a lot of this, the work that I've done on myself since that court case. And I'm really grateful that, that I went through that because I wouldn't have learned what I've learned now. You have to be accepting of stuff, man. And it's really hard, but... It's amazing. Throughout, it's really hard. Throughout life, like if you keep on fighting against stuff, it's going to agitate you so much more, man. Use that energy on yourself, on molding yourself. The things that come flying into you, you can't. You, you're right. It's it's fucking hard though. It's man. very hard, man. Really hard. Someone close to you dies, you can't just go. Oh, I accept that. It's part no. of life. No way, man. No. The police come to you and arrest you because you've done a graffiti magazine. Every single person I've ever told in my whole life is like. What the hell? Yeah. How? What? A magazine? Really? Why did they? Why are they wasting my taxpayers' money yeah. on this? 28 grand a day it cost them to put the court case on. 28 grand a day. I'm in front of a jury of 12 people for what? You made fucking 500 magazines, 1,000 magazines. Made no money from it. That not going to make in, 28 grand. No. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Nothing in any of the magazines <clears throat> that says go out and do it. No. You know, like, just... And they were just trying to create this whole, like... Fault crime. They were trying. What they were trying to do was prove that in 2009, when I made the magazine, this was one of their main arguments of the prosecution. In 2009, this is what your state of mind was. They were trying to assert what my state of mind was in 2009. I didn't keep a diary. I didn't have any. There wasn't any like literature that they could pull up and go. This is what he was thinking because yeah. he said this or this, yeah. he said this on the phone call. He said this in the text. Nothing. They were just trying to assert through their evidence, which was I was an active graffiti writer, I was immersed in the graffiti culture, therefore I have a positive view of graffiti. And the tone of the language that I used in the magazine was encouraging, but it wasn't as if there was anything explicit saying go and do so it. So it's all their perception. Yeah, and you know what? I completely understand because they are the law and they have this very... Um, conservative view of the world so of course they think that this thing well, is here to encourage the I thing about it. the thing about their perception is that it's backed by law yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and they used all the powers of powers of the law at their disposal to try and prove that that was the case 
sadly for them, they lost. Um, I don't harbour any like anger or resentment towards them. I mean, you know, they've got a job to do. Um, Mad insight to that world, though, eh? Bruv. My barrister said to me quite a few times before we actually ended up in the courtroom. He uses these like these grand like terms like watch the interplay between this and that and like watch how it oh, and like you I'm just sitting there going yeah yeah okay really okay, cool. really and then you're in the courtroom and you see it's an act it's theatrics it's like emphasis on particular words yeah. and and it's all and and you can see how if you haven't had the best education or if you don't have the money to like throw at it, why so many people go to jail? Because you can't yeah. stand up there and articulate yourself no. in a way that, and you might be innocent or whatever, but if you can't defend yourself, as I was luckily able to stand up in, in the dock for two and a half days and it was fucking exhausting, but stand there and tell my story and then have prosecution come at me and be able to like... Attack the story. Yeah, and like rebuff some of the things that they were saying and like no and like and explain myself articulately and explicitly and keep on repeatedly saying I did not because they were trying to say that it was my intention to encourage so yeah I did not intend to encourage when I wrote that I did not intend to encourage it was not in my mind that I wanted to intend to encourage and I just kept you, on having to say yeah. that over and over again to sledgehammer it into the jury yeah. that that's what it was yeah, you know and, and I've I fucking got tired of having to I say bet, that, man. man. I felt like a puppet. I felt I like a fucking robot. I was just like... But it's part of the play. Yeah. It's just... And if you slipped up one of them lines, they would have fucking eaten you. Yeah, man. And... Uh, but the, but then they shot themselves in the foot because so... I think they... If they'd have done it in, in, a, in a more... In a more thoughtful way, they probably could have sent me to jail. But they they were clutching at straws and they just, they just didn't have it. They didn't have any intellect about what they were doing. And the they depth didn't, wasn't there. No. It was too obvious, the things they were picking on. And they, and, and into the, you know, the catchment area for Blackfriars Crown Court is like South London. So, there were, you know, a few sort of trendies from Peckham and, yeah. you know, and, and these people like, you and know, the jury. First, yeah. The yeah. jury in the first couple of days of the trial, they were just being sworn in. So they didn't even know what the charge was. So they were sort of like giving me dirty looks like, yeah rapist murderer yeah, yeah yeah thief whatever and then the, the charge gets read out and a few of the people like what their faces were just like what is this you can imagine that fucking jurors room half of them in there thinking really yeah man and then the rest of them maybe on the fence but, yeah you know they were asking questions of the judge they were very smart and you know you can never tell and i i never i never imagined that i was actually gonna get a not guilty verdict because you just can't tell but i had part of me had a good feeling because i was like the prosecution so my team was my barrister who is brown my solicitor who is kind of brown me brown wow. like everyone that represented me was creative kind of like alternative left-wingy yeah basically but basically in essence real people yeah yeah they weren't coming from this like insidious conservative Tory, theory. Yeah. yeah. And and everyone from the prosecution was dry, grey, and just had no personality and just by the book. Yeah, and just any normal person. I mean, the the woman from the prosecution, she was poisoned. Like you could see that she was being eaten from the inside out because she just 
was probably drinking a hundred coffees a day. That's that just, carrying that shit, like you were saying earlier. Yeah. Like it can, it rot you, man. Yeah. It was rotting and just the way that she spoke and it was just. Full any, of venom any, and spite. Yeah, man. Any normal person would have been sat there going, they're the bad guys. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't, I don't really think they're the bad guys. They've got a job to do and, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, any normal person in that room that had any kind of, like, sense of humanity would have been like, these these people are horrible, man. Oh, why, are they, is, why are they doing this to that poor yeah, guy? It's a problem with mortgages and stuff like that because people have to keep their jobs. Yeah, man. And they will do whatever is needed. <laughs> yeah, it's damn right, man. It's crazy, though, isn't it, man? What, what people have to do. That poor woman... Like what she has to, I know you went through a load of shit, but yeah, I know, she's but yeah. just like, likewise. Oh, love. Definitely. You, man. Like I'd, I honestly, you need a month off hand firstly. on my heart. Yeah. I, I, I don't hate them. No, it's, it's more going towards pity. Yes. Yeah. Because they are like, like say so in particular, man, like dudes. I've, I've stood against they say so. <sighs> he called me a fucking bastard after cause we won. Yeah, I bet he did. He hated me. Yeah, he I went did. into stand. My, he he was doing my mate, and I went into stand as a graffiti expert, and we won. Off my, I was stood up for a day and a half, and uh, we won. My my boy got off, and we walked out on the second day, and he comes straight up to me, and goes, "I know you, Mister Rare Kind. I fuck you, a fucking wanker, or something like that." And I was just like, "Mate, really, really?" Yeah, that's man. all I said. And then his his pal took him. Yeah, I I got a few digs here and there as well from from those guys, and I just thought, man, like you're you're so wrapped up in this hate. Yeah. I don't even mind. I I get the illegal aspect. Yeah, same. I get I get I get the fines. I get prison. I don't really get because if if we've wasted money, why send us in to spend more? But anyway, mm. that's your deal. That's your money. But I get this whole illegal thing. I get it. But the way you lot go about it, come on, man. Is just take it so personal, man. So personally. And especially Say So just made it in such a, such a vendetta, man. He really and did. And uh, he fueled a lot of people. He fueled a lot of his team along that as well. Yeah, he did. So there, there is... there is. So I was thinking about this before I came here because I, I wanted to... I've, I don't think about the case that much anymore because it's like you know, it's in the past and stuff. But I was, I was thinking about it before I came here because I thought I wanted to talk about it a little bit yeah there's but there there are so 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 many things that happened in that two and a half weeks that if like a normal person heard them they'd be like what and then if a writer heard them they'd be like what like just so much ridiculous stuff man that I can't even begin to even remember now because it's just it was just a long trial that just was just full of loads of crazy moments and like psychological like mind games and like the weirdness of the theatrics in the courtroom but then just some of the things that 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 came up during like witness testimonies and stuff that they were trying to use as evidence against me one of the things that came up was the the barcodes on issue two uh matt the designer had like made like like a like the twin towers so two of the bars were like the twin towers and it had like a plane flying into it and then it said like earlier mi6 equals seven seven so she was like mr barnes this barcode and i was like yeah yeah." (laughs) 
the in joke you mean so anyway. you would have uh, sanctioned this and I was like yeah I mean I didn't design it but yeah I, I, I okayed it she was like Mr. Barnes do you think that MI6 calls 770 and I was like well <laughs> you've got to ask questions man I don't know if I don't know if they did or not but like you know you've got to ask questions of the world I don't la- like accept everything that the news tells me yeah uh, and they're just trying to, you know, trying to insinuate that I'm some kind of like conspiracy anti- theorist, yeah, anti-establishment, yeah. anti-government person. And I just, I brushed it. I just laughed and I was like, Do you know what? Matt smokes a lot of weed. He's into conspiracy theory. But I thought it was funny. Yeah, it's fine. What are you going to do? Yeah. And, and I was so honest about it. I think a couple of the people in the jury were laughing along yeah, with me. Just like, uh, but just stuff like that. Yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. The, the, but what? that's where you're saying the thoughtfulness. If there was thoughtfulness in it, that shit wouldn't come up. They yeah. could have done you. Yeah, they could have. They could have played the game. It's just all this stuff that yeah. was just <laughs> here, there, and everywhere. And even even my barrister said, like, when he was in doing his closing speech, he was like, "They're clutching at straws here. Yeah. You can see it. They're clutching at straws because there's nothing here. Yeah. There's nothing here." Um, he did a really, really good job, well, man. So you were living in Manchester, and then, but you had to be in London for the two. Nah, sorry, no. Did so you move I, back? Yeah, I moved back in 2007 to work at the Sun. So okay, cool. So, so you were in. I was in London when I. Was going through the, case. the magazine, yeah, and in London for the case, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that was that was nuts. Like Where were I, you living at? Back at mum's or in your own flat? I was at my mum's, but I was I was between my mum's and my partner Helena's place because we we were just getting together. Actually, mm-hmm. like you know, how amazing is it that she committed to supporting me through that when we'd only been seeing each other for a few months? <laughs> That is, I'll be back a couple of weeks. I've just got to go to court. Yeah, that, that was. I mean, she she's a lawyer anyway, so oh, I think wow. she was Amazing. from a law perspective. She was interested in, yeah. in being in the courtroom, and she took loads of notes and stuff. But also, just you know, just trusting that I was worth committing to Mate, through that's, that. Yeah, and that's I remember sweet. two weeks in or a week and a half in, I was in the kitchen with her, and I just I was just like, you know, like. I could go to jail for this. Like I could actually go to jail and like the maximum sentence for encouragement slash incitement is seven years. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, I was like, I could go to jail for, for a little while. And she just cried and she was just, you know, she was in bits. And I was just like, I I have to be honest with you. This, this is what could happen, you know? And she was, she was like, well, I'm going to stick with you. And I was like, wow. Go on. Yeah. And we're just about to have a baby, man. Congratulations. (laughs) So, yeah man so you know fair play to so, her for sticking with me man yeah. jeez you got through that and you got through the case and it got gets dropped after was it three years yeah that is a fucking slog they they when they came when they came to give me back my stuff it, like in my little room because we had our little one little room in the in Blackfriars court there's a guy called Timothy Weeks who was like the lead officer because originally Sayso was the lead officer but in order to be a witness in court, he had to drop Step down. Yeah, so yeah. he passed it on to, to Weeks. And his face was red when he came into that little room to give me my stuff back. And I was just like, all right. Mm. And that's the only time, I think, where I just, just a tiny little dig just to go, I won, you yeah. didn't. That was a waste of time, wasn't it? Yeah, man. What a waste of time and money for everybody. Mm. Um, so yeah, after that, I just in the lead up actually in the lead up to the court case I remember being at the dinner table at, at my at Helena's old place in Hoxton and just being like I just want to go and see someone man 
I just want to go and see. I'm not. I I so she committed to me by committing to yeah. supporting me. Yeah. Prior to that, I was just like, I I don't. I want to be with this person for a long time, and I'm not in a good state of mind to really have a proper relationship. So. I'm going to go to the doctors and tell them that I'm Boom. feeling good. Amazing. Yeah, man. So that's, that, I've done it. It's hard. Yeah, it was, but I just, I was at my wits end, man. Yeah. I was like, but it's good. You knew that there was an answer somewhere or that you could look for one. Yeah. That's brilliant that you knew that. I was self-medicating a lot. I was just going out, getting smashed. Just not, not, not dealing with the. You had a lot to deal with, though, yeah, bro. And I'm not excusing you self-medicating, and I'm not excusing people to just ignore if you've got a lot to deal with. But you did have a lot to deal with. Yeah, it was a lot, man. And I it tips you over. You know what? I didn't. I didn't talk to anyone about it. I cut myself off from graph completely. I right. didn't. I didn't even. I wouldn't even allow myself to think about colors or, yeah. prof- or letters or anything. Just work. Yeah, and just deal like, with this case. Graph is no longer part of my life. I yeah. completely, you know, have to walk away. Yeah really detached and I didn't speak to anyone that I knew who did graph or anything like that I was just completely separated and it that you know that That in itself was depressing yeah and then um, I haven't actually spoken about this publicly but I had a cancer scare as well like halfway through the even before the case started oh fucking hell man yeah like when I was on bail I was in the shower one day doing my regular checks and I was like oh shit there's a lump fuck okay uh, better go and get that checked so I went to the doctors they were, she had a feel around went yep there's definitely something there we'll send you for a test went for a test and they were like we f- I think they did some kind of scan and they were like we think it's um, what are they called uh, like s- s- little mini sacks of pus cysts cysts yeah we think they're cysts, but it's inconclusive. So you're gonna to have to come back in a few months. So in that in that period of a few months, I'm just like, mm. fuck, it's inconclusive. I mean, they think it's that, but it might not be that. Until Helena, yeah. No, we were uh, so I was just getting to was, see her. I was with an ex at the time, mm-hmm. and then yeah, I was with an ex at the time. I didn't talk to her. I didn't even talk to her about it. Just kept it completely to myself. So as well as not talking about the case and going, yeah, yeah, no, I'm alright. Also, I had this going on as well. Jesus, man. So I went to, eventually went and had this, um, you know, when they inject you with like some fluids so that it all shows up. My mum's just you. been through it. Really? She's got cancer, yeah. She oh, got, really? Shit, got diagnosed man. in November. Yeah. Fuck, sorry to hear that. So it should be. But yeah, she went through that. Fuck, man. So yeah, they injected me with this shit. And then finally they were like, yes, it cysts. Parallel to that though, uh, as so in my, in my case, I got charged with criminal damage nine counts historic going back to like 2000 2001 <laughs> yeah like old old stuff Dickheads. and the magazine thing and I trying to be a clever dick was like so there were Pano panels and then I got nicked for Pano in that 2002 time and so I changed my tag to Peno thinking I was clever <laughs> So Wasn't there were Peno t- panels and Pano panels mm. in this batch of stuff, Doug. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm Pano, but I'm not Peno because they're different styles. So it's not me. And I was, I was living a lie. And I, this, this lie came to, came back to bite me on the, the ass big time because some pictures came up from someone, I'm not going to say who, someone's photo log account or some, some online photo account that had me barefaced at Chelmsford Hall of Fame painting the Peno piece. Oh, fuck. And, it, and they faxed it to us 
on the day before we were supposed to go and start our trial the first time around. So you must have shit yourself. Yeah, I went into a massive depression. My barrister was going mental, calling them all the names under the sun. And we had to go to court the next day and we had to ask for an, adjour- an adjournment. Yeah, I bet. it was like, yeah. you can't submit evidence like that last minute and no. expect us to just like... Answer a question trial. on it, no way. So that just sent me into such a spin. So I, I was like, I, I wrote this massive long letter to the judge saying, this is basically like everything that I've talked about. Like all, This is all my life story. Mm. And... I am I am Penno and I've been lying and I, I can't lie anymore because I've had this cancer scare mm-hmm. and I think the lie is eating me from the inside out. This is a sign that I need to tell the truth. I'm going to plead guilty to all the criminal damage. And I, and that, but that also helped us to like sever that from the, the, the magazine, magazine charge. Yeah. So in a way it kind of played into our favor, but I just, I was just like, I, I'm not going to be able to go to court and lie about this. I can't go. No yeah, more. yeah, yeah, no yeah, bruv, I'm Pono. No, no, Penno, that's nothing to do with me. That, it takes a lot of bravado, man, and by that point you're knackered. Couldn't do it, man. No. And and those those cysts were like. So then I tried to start like eating healthy, and it was a massive sort of. But then I slipped back into like self medicating and going out getting smashed. Anyway, long story short, once the court case was over, I was just I just started to get a lot more self aware and conscious of my behaviour and my actions, and you know I had to really like make peace with the whole. BCP thing and just even though you know throughout my whole career I don't think I've ever written fuck BCP ever mm. anywhere even in old interviews it's like this is nothing to do with the police you know they're they're not my enemy man they're just they're just part of yeah. the whole thing um, it's a so, hard thing to do though Marcus it is you, man you've got to admire yourself for that man because we've got every reason to point and blame everyone does all the time it's a real hard thing not to like you were saying earlier you know you can't it isn't because of you, the world is turning. No, it's but I, I just could. I like you know. I, it's brave what you did, man. How can how can you get to even a, a few years down the line now? And if I was still angry and still resentful, that would be affecting my life, not theirs. They it's, don't know if I'm angry or not. But that that is everyday life for people. It is. Yeah, it really people, is. People carry every it everywhere day. because we think it's meant to be. Mm. We, we think that's how it is. This person wronged me. In, in whatever police person wife husband mum dad so just take a minute to think about it I've like you know I've in the last couple of years had to work through like intense resentment towards my dad for not being around yeah my dad was not around for 36 years of my life that's a fucking intense like and I don't know if I fully let it go but it's definitely not as intense as it was <clears throat> I think I, fe- I feel like I have let it go but I'm not sure. How long so did you talk for? If I'm not for? sure, it's probably still there. Yeah, yeah. How long did you talk for? Well, the first time I met him. No, when, so when you went and got help. Oh, yeah. So it was It was on the NHS. So it was like... Six get, sessions? Yeah, six eight sessions. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was six. And I got offered another six. It was of a trainee. So, you know, it yeah. wasn't... It did. It, it, it helped as a start. Because I was actually going to see her during the trial. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was doing these anxiety tests and obviously during the trial, it's like, whoop, yep. <laughs> your anxiety is through the roof. Mm. Um, but she, yeah, it, it helps to a degree. I I've no, I don't think I've ever maintained any of the CBT techniques that I was taught, no. but it was a good starting point and gateway into going, I'm going to start looking at myself. So then I started getting into 
more kind of like spiritual practices and looking at meditation and looking at uh, modifying my diet. I've stopped drinking now. And, and just, I think all this stuff was in me and it's been in me since the dawn of time. Yeah. Most of us probably have yeah, it. Yeah, I think, us. yeah. Um, it's know, finding I it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone's like inherently evil. You know, no. it's, it's all learned stuff. But what I've found is that I've, I've, I'm, as time goes on, I'm tapping more and more into this, like this idea of like at the core of us is, is truth and is love. And is, if you tap into that and embrace it, every, it makes all your life much better. All of your life much better. <sighs> oh God. Marcus, I saw you said so much today that I think about. It's really strange. <laughs> really, really strange. I believe exactly that. Yeah, man. Exactly that. And I, that's why I kind of simplify the the therapy side of things or the the admitting to taking tablets or the admitting to embarrassing situations mm. or fuck-ups because we're all the fucking same. It's yeah. fine. It's just truth. And the point is as well is that if you can be honest, you'll try not to do the bad thing again because mm. you know it's bad. Whereas before you lied to yourself. Now, we're, we're from a culture that breaks a law, right? Mm. We know we shouldn't be painting. And it gets a bit blurry because we love the culture so much. But at the end of the day, you're breaking the fucking law. That's it. End of story. That's really the story. On, on, on the streets outside, you're breaking the law. I'm not saying go into court and put your hands up and admit because there's there's justice is built in a certain way. But for your own self... You need to know when to make the call. And for you to write that letter to the judge and be like, nah, one minute, I'm done. I can play the, I can play the game. I could, I could continue playing it, but I'm going to kill myself if I do this. Mm. I'd rather just put my hands up now. Like, do this, do this properly. You're not doing me on that bit. But it's, it's so hard to be honest. It's yeah. so hard. It is. It's just, you know, it, we, we just learn that no comment, etc., etc., And that's mm. that's... That's always the way, man. That is always the way. It's, it's no always the way and it should be the way because that's how the, this system works. You know, they've got to have proof. Yeah, man. End of story. But when it's like, here's Marcus Barnes in Chelmsford mm. painting a penno piece. Nah, it's not me, bro. Yeah. But nah, like nah, the whole nah. poor me thing. Yeah. It can happen in many ways. But essentially the stuff that happened to me in Dublin recently. I could blame him fully. But luckily I've got to a stage in my life. D, you're a dick. You treat you were so rude to him for months. No matter, it doesn't matter what position you were meant to have. You were rude to him, and then you reacted at the end. So yeah, he was a dick. Yeah, he did this. Yeah, the police are fucking following rules that they shouldn't be following. They're wasting money sending people to prison. But you did. But I did, and it it feels good. Mm. It doesn't it doesn't lessen the badness or the madness that these people have done. But you know what you've done. Yeah. You can't control their, their movements. No, exactly, man. Like the meditation practice that I, I mean, I rarely keep it up these days, but I, I try and do it as often as I can. Um, one of the things that they talk about is like, you know, if, if you're, if you're, um, if you have like, if you do like a negative action, if you, if you hit someone, it's as bad as hitting yourself because mm. it comes from anger. Oh gosh. Who wants to be angry? 
no one wants to be angry we all want to be happy everyone's everyone's striving to be yeah. happy but so many people carry anger around with them resentment all you're all you're doing is it's it's you're harming yourself it's through all it that, is. that negative yeah. energy and those negative thoughts man you're harming yourself like especially if it starts with you yeah because you're going to expel and that person you're going to give that person a grief for five minutes but you started it mm-hmm. and you're going to walk off of it as well they'll brush it off hour later God, that was horrible. I can't believe you said that to me. Oh, disgusting. I can't believe you hit me. Fucking hell. And mm. a little hug with whoever. I sorted it out, a little talk, and they'll get on with their day. You might feel a bit affected, but you're there still tense. As a, like the venomous woman in court. Yeah, man. The spite and venom. And yeah. it just eats away at you, man. It really does. And I carried man. that shit for time. All I did was shout for many years. Mm. Screamed and shouted and didn't understand why people couldn't fight back. Because oh, they don't need to, D. You're crazy. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Why are you carrying all this, bro? These yeah, people man. ain't attacking you. Yeah, it's a weird thing. So the understanding of yourself is, and the letting go. Yeah, man. It feels very, um, it's like you're not being brave. You're not being, you're not standing up for yourself. You're not mm. protecting yourself. We don't need to, man. No, nah, exactly. Don't. Life is not a fight, man. It's not a fight. It doesn't the more you to fight against work. life, the more it punishes you, man. Yeah. That's, that's what I've, that's what I've learned. And, it's not easy, as we keep saying, man. It's not easy, but, you know, introspection, going inwards, only person that can solve your, your problems is yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another thing that I've, I've been very, very aware of. Like, you know, I've, I've definitely worked on parts of myself that I was not happy with or I faced. Brilliant. Or just, just facing yourself, just looking in the mirror, the metaphorical mirror, yeah. and going fucking sort it out man mm. and go in there and go right i'm gonna adjust this and i'm gonna work on this and this is something it's that's gonna be like a lifelong so project hard. it is really it is, difficult I've got, most people won't even do it most yeah. people can't even accept that there's any problem right. most people aren't even aware that there's a problem you know like whether it's such and such working for such and such corporation that's destroying the planet but you know they don't, don't see anything wrong in it or such mm. and such that bumps into you on the tube and then like calls you a cunt mm. you know like just you it's your problem your problem your you, problem you, your, that, your, your, that. Yours, yours. if that was better i would yeah. feel better i wouldn't have to no, do no, this no, but you can go into here into yourself it's and ju- go, it, all it is is finding strength yeah to cope with there's there's two things going on in my life at the minute that i'm trying to get rid of and i I'm doing that thing where I know it and I haven't once stepped to it yet properly. And I'm, I beat myself up constantly. I tell myself at night, right, tomorrow's going to be your day. Mm. You're going to start this thing and I don't. And it's, I, I laugh at myself for not finding the strength because I know I've got it. But yeah, like, that's just humanity. That's just weakness that we naturally are. I'll get to the point that I'm trying to get to at some point. But, and I <laughs> want to get there sooner rather than later before anything bad happens to me, health-wise or whatever. But... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do to pull yourself up. And especially when the onus is on you, you know, it's only like, it's, it's, it's you know, if you're, if most of us live our lives in a comfort zone because we found what we like, what mm. we don't like, and we, we stick to what mm. we, what we think we like. And you, we're not necessarily willing to just, nobody's going to sit there and like stab themselves in the arm because they mm. think it's going to make them better so like you know you don't want to no one wants to put themselves through pain who wants to be upset and like you know and, and deal with deep rooted anxieties or complexes 
For for what reason? No, I don't want to do that, man. I'm, no, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm you fine. Need to get help, man. People need help, and I wish everyone would. Everyone needs a turn at getting help. It's it's your turn. It's fine. It's your turn. Not you, literally, but people mm. in general. Everyone needs to go and get help because we're all. It's that human thing. We're all the same. We're built up of the same shit. There's nothing different for me to you. Same to the person outside. Yet both of us have gone to therapy and this person's here struggling. You're the same. This shit works. Or just understanding yourself works. Look at what you're doing to yourself. It works. Yeah, man. Talk it out. It works. It's, I, I wish everyone could get help, man. I wish my mum got fucking therapy, man. Jesus Christ. Mm. Yeah, it's a... The self-actualization, like understanding who you are and what you're capable of, and then giving yourself the strength to get to that place. All extremely hard things to do, but all so rewarding. You know what, though? I've, uh, one of the theories that I have, I may not necessarily apply to everybody, but I, th I think a lot of people need something to sh shake them out of where they are. Yeah. So for me, it was the, the court case. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was, up until that point, I was just coasting along... Yeah, life's cool, man. I'm I'm a nice guy, you know. I'm. I don't steal. Yeah, I'm working here. I'm yeah. like I'm I'm nice to women. I'm this. I'm yeah. that. Like, and and not really, you know, having any firm idea about where I wanted to go, and definitely not thinking that I had any like problems. Mm -hmm. Nothing at all. Just like yeah, life's 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 all right. Then that happened, and it was like life going grabbing me by the like mm. you know my sh my top and just shaking me and just going wake up mm. mate mm. As I said, you have like, got problems yeah. your dad's never been around do you mm. think that you've resolved that problem on your own going through your life going yeah i haven't got a dad but it's fine i don't care like what do i, I care? understand that i understand that i understand that that's what you're saying to yourself yeah, yeah. i ain't got a dad that's what thing ain't got a dad they ain't got a dad. Yeah, I brought myself up, man. Yeah, I've made fine. myself who I am. I've done to myself. I've managed to do this. Yeah. I could fucking travel the city. I don't need no dad. Crazy, eh? I didn't have a dad either. Nuts. Nuts. Dads, when man. you realise... That's why I've been there for Josh as well. You'll be a great dad as well. Yeah, man. Because you realise that, no, no, that, that, that was fucked. <laughs> Most definitely. That was fucked. <laughs> Most definitely, man. Dads. So the last few years has been music, concentrating on music since all of that. Yeah, it's been, yeah, I've just been, uh, I, I made the switch from tabloids, which, as I said before, I just found soul-destroying, hated. Yeah. Uh, it was fun for a while. And experience-wise, yeah. great thing to say you've done. Got to get out there, go to loads of parties, you know, met loads of nice people and stuff. But, um, yeah, I've just, you know, grown up with reggae and being so into the drum and bass and stuff, and then... When I went to uni, I got into like, you know, R&B, hip hop. Afterward, after uni, it was like dubstep and just everything. I just love, I just love all music, man. There's good mm. music in every genre and I just, I love it all. And I went to IB for in 2010 and came home and I was like, I just want to write about this stuff, man. I just love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I just started reaching out to DJs that I was, that I idolized and, started getting interviews and started going to festivals and it all just it all just snowballed it moved pretty quickly and I went full-time freelance I was living at my mum's so I was quite lucky I had a sort of a base safety net yeah and just I was earning fuck all money but I loved the music so much and I just wanted to interview everyone who I respected 
and I got really lucky because I met someone who was looking after the blog section at the independent and she gave me a blog and she gave me carte blanche to do what I wanted with it so uh, with that as my entry point I could just go to any PR and go I can get you on the independent website so I got to interview all these Amazing. famous house and tech DJs nah you can find it on Wayback Machine which is the, uh, the yeah. online archive but nah they had a, a malware attack apparently and they took t- took it all down but mm. um that helped to establish me in underground electronic music as someone who was passionate, good at what they did, and wants to know more, wants to listen to more, wants to yeah write more. And I ended up working for Mixmag, so I'm now the techno editor at Mixmag, which is wow really well known dance music magazine. And I just I do fucking loads of copywriting. I do. Uh, PRs send out like one sheet of A4 yep. artist biography. So I do loads of those for like, I'm doing skin from Skunk and Nancy. She's a techno DJ. Yeah, is yeah, she? Just, I just chatted to her today. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I spoke to her today. Chase and Status I've just done. Um, and I'm working on there. They're doing a website to promote their album that's coming out on Friday called Return to Jungle. So in a Ooh. mad, mad, mad things come in full circle. I've been interviewing all my jungle heroes. <laughs> How nuts is that? I was at Groove Rider's house the other day Shut in, interviewing him and Fabio. Yeah. Like how, like, how does that happen? How does that happen? It's crazy. That's, you, it, you let it happen. Is yeah. What, you, you let it happen. You know what I mean? You weren't scared to say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to let this happen. Do you know what? I just, I do give myself a lot of credit for just going, I don't want to do this tabloid thing anymore. I want to go and freelance. And it was really, really hard. And it's still, as we were talking about before, the freelance life is never, oh, never, you know, never easy. And I spend a lot of time just sat at home in my joggers at my desk, yeah. you know, cracking out whatever I'm writing. But it's worth it, man, because this is the life that I chose and this is the life that I want. And it gives me freedom to be who I want to be. And that is one of the most important things in my life. And, and more of finding about who, more of who you were going to be as well. Yeah, man. I think it's, I know this shit isn't possible for everyone. I know it isn't. And the deci- I made decisions in my life to make sure I could do what I do. You've made decisions in your life to make sure you can do it. And it, not everyone gets to be in that position, has that chance of a position. So I do, I, I I do get the point that we're lucky, but it fucking brave. Like I know I'm brave, and everyone can be brave, man. We we just don't have to be scared of what's, you know, what we're meant to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like this feels like the right thing, man. Oh, it feels so right. It, 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 I had a, I've had a few wobbles where I've been like, mm, this business, music business, is pretty superficial. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are troubled. There's a lot of people that are reliant on drugs. There's a lot of like, not very nice stuff going on. And there are a lot of egos and, you know, dance music culture is not built on that. It's built on love, unity, community, and, Mm. you know, respect and those kind of ideals. Um, But... Again, I've, I've, I've learned to make peace with that and to just understand that as long as I do what I'm doing with integrity and being aware of the fact that, yes, behind the machine there is, you know, some, some mm-hmm. not so nice stuff. That's cool. And 
not like I'm not trying to save the world here. Yeah. But you're finding you're finding the beauty in the music though is the point. Yeah, man. That's what you're really trying to talk about and what you want to tell the story about is the music. You're not writing about the clubs as such. It's about mm. the music and about the people behind it. And the same way in finding beauty in graffiti. It's about these colours. It's about the way we put letters together. You know, the scale things. It's all so brilliant. There's a lot of fucking dirty shit behind it all. And especially the shit you end up going through, especially if you yeah. get caught and go to prison or, <laughs> you know, all that type of shit. It's the same, quite similar. Yeah, quite yeah similar. you're right, man. And you've, you're looking and you're like, no, this is, all this shit's going on around me, but I, I know what I want to do here. That is beautiful. Yeah, you've got to just find your path, haven't you, man? Yeah. And work it. Yeah. Consistency as well, I think, is a, in our, in our line of work, this freelance stuff, if you can just be consistent, right, you've got to fucking get up every day. And although my therapist hated that saying, get up, it's up there, actually. Get up, get out, and get on with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's a fucking good one mum gave me, man, because it does drive me a bit. Yeah, I mean... I don't push much away anymore, though. I, I used to push away loads. I don't anymore. I open my mouth so much. I'm so open about my feelings and all that type of shit now. I don't. Oh, well done, um, man. I'm still trying to work on that. Yeah. I mean, my girlfriend's a therapist. Not that she can't. She doesn't do sessions with me. We can't. But the conversations we have. Yeah, man. Um, for what we've both been through, both being through therapy and then her becoming one and me being so open to it. And I just, yeah, I'd, I've been really thinking recently about embarrassment and how we find things embarrassing. I'm not talking about the obvious things like your trousers being pulled down in the club or anything. I'm just talking about, just things you're like, oh, I wish someone would know that. And I'm more than happy people knowing that. I, I yeah. said on Killer Keller's podcast, we went and done an interview on there, and I mentioned that I'm on anti-anxiety tablets on it. And Bex, my girlfriend, knows, obviously she knows. And she, she said when she listened, she, her, her jaw dropped. She couldn't believe I said it. <laughs> I said, why did you say it? I said, why not? Yeah. Like, she understands I'm about that. And she's like, but and I, I don't... I don't care what people think about it. I want them to know it's possible. Mm -hmm. And whatever you might think of me, I'm on these things. Like, it, we, we can all give, I could give a real glowing story about my lifestyle. Amazing. Yeah. I, wouldn't exactly. I don't need to mention therapy. I don't need to mention pain or mm -hmm. tablets. And you could think, fuck, I'd love to be him. Yeah, man. That's, that's like... <clears throat> I'd like to get rid of all of that. And that, that's why I'm actually, I'm really pleased to be sat here chatting like this. Because Wicked. if you look at my as I said before if you look at my Instagram my personal Instagram or my work Instagram looks like I'm having the time of my life man yeah. here there and everywhere and I am to a degree but that doesn't mean that behind the scenes <clears throat> I don't have days where I'm like fuck I feel mm. like a sh piece of shit or and, you and know social media is for that yeah let's not tell the shit stories on social media yeah. I'm not gonna do an Instagram video when the tax man's harassing me for six grand I'm not <laughs> gonna do that I'm gonna tell you when well I don't but I'm going to tell you when I make the six grand. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. when you'll know. You don't know when I've got to pay it. You, we can't put out the negative stories on social media. So, yeah, this is why these conversations are great. Because we've been given this tool, this social media tool. It's put a massive gloss on our lives. It's fucking people's heads up. Yeah. And that's why I'm eternally grateful. This is number 46. Mm -hmm. Like, to have 46 interviews of pure honesty underneath the cover of this and you don't put out a cover of glowingness you're not doing it on purpose i know you're not but mm. the, what i just said we don't put up the shit but i also like you know any anyone who listens to this just like you know there's a there's sometimes there's a little bit of a stereotype as to like what a graffiti writer yeah, is yeah. and like how a graffiti writer should behave and i just i never 
I never subscribed to that, man. I've never met two the same. No. I've never like, met two the same. Not, right. in the, not in the later years, anyway. I think in our teens and 20s, we're all quite similar. We can be a bit quite similar. Yeah, man. As we grow, it's never two the same. No, it's it's just... You know, I was never a racker. I could cut, no. a, I could cut a mean hole in a fence, but I was mm. never a racker, you know. You would have um, never known that, you know. The amount of paintings I've seen by you, I think I presumed... Do you know what I mean? You just would. Yeah, of course. And you're like, no, nah, no, nah, what I actually did was read the back of the can and ordered the paint from the fucking UK distributors. That's what I did do. That, that, that was my way of like, you know, beating the system to a degree. But like, you know, I just do, I don't, why should I need to rack to be a writer? Yeah. I don't need to. But mm. also like, you can be a nice person. You can be a softy. Mm. You can talk about love and spirituality. You can talk mm. about meditation and still be a bloody writer. Yeah, and the king at it as well. Yeah, uh, man. Uh, I tell you what, though, uh, graffiti is like your granddad, in a way, <laughs> because I don't mind your granddad told you to steal something at five. That's cool. I don't mind he walks you through tunnels at eight, nine, shitting you up. You know what I mean? Making you experience. It's cool. And graffiti does that for mm -hmm. us. And that's, that is brilliant. It does, it takes, as I said, before I did graffiti, I, the shit I did before, graffiti was nothing to me afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'd been through before, I don't give a fuck about a rail or a bridge. No, that's nothing. But it, it what it nurtured in me and what, it, it's an amazing granddad, basically. It will tell you the things you shouldn't know let you have a little play around in that little tin box that you're not meant to look at and then you put it away you never touch it again move on like, and if graffiti could be just that and if everyone could experience it just that way it'd be brilliant but it, it doesn't just do that it can really soak you in it can be the bad granddad that gives yeah. you the bottle of whiskey and doesn't take it <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a sick chat man yeah thanks I loved man. it I, I love the honesty and very interesting as I said to you We've only met a few times. Uh, when I met you at Assets Funeral, I hadn't started this, but um, we chatted for maybe 20 minutes, man, and you really fucking got me, you know, Marcus. <laughs> like, you really got me. <laughs> I was like... And not, not... I don't mean you understood me. I mean, you, like, yeah, you yeah. affected me, like... I need to chat to this guy. Man. <laughs> he's he's got some shit in him. Like you, you attracted me basically. Like your mannerism there was so nice. And obviously you're a writer, so I've got a preconception. You've yeah, got a name. Yeah. You're in a crew. I've got a preconception. Whatever it was, got maybe it didn't get smashed that day. I don't know. But either way, there was something. I just thought, wow, this guy's got something, man. And it. A real privilege to sit here with you now, man. And get Thanks. Time. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks and for I, inviting I, me, man. Sorry I, it took so long. Nah, I'm, I did. I did have a little bit of anxiety about it. Of course. I, the, not because I've done. I've done a po another podcast quite recently where I talk, spoke about stuff, but I just the the. I think the the case like one of the things that people said to me afterwards whenever I told the story at length they'd be like oh my god you should write a book you should get a film made you should do a documentary and I had a couple of people that actually approached me saying we want to do a film wow. about this and I was like I don't I just don't want to talk about it anymore man I put it to bed you know and like you didn't press me on it I'd spoke about it voluntarily because I, yeah. I wanted to but I just it's one I of think those I, things I where mentioned like, it in some wording yeah yeah about yeah what but you, yeah I, I knew that I would be talking about it, so I don't. Yeah. I don't feel well, like, it's, and maybe in this situation as well because I'm a writer. Yeah, it's not yeah, as if, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't feel. It's not a problem, but it's, good. it's like 
you know, I just, I just, it, it could be a thing that could just carries on, and carries on, and I just, it maybe it would have been nice to write a book or f- do a film about it and raise awareness, like only just for more people to know about it and to be like, fucking hell, how yeah. could that? Because it was a, his, it was historic. Yeah, it was, yeah, a, it was a test case. Yeah, yeah, nothing like that. That charge had never even been existed before, no. and no one had ever no publisher had ever had that charge no. you know attempted to uh, no one had ever been prosecuted for that charge so it was historic and it was ama- and like all that stuff but I just at the same time was like I just don't want to keep on talking about it because it's just I don't want it to define me alright it's happened that has defined me but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to keep no, on no but you've let it define you in certain ways you don't want it to externally define you yeah and I, I, just I, don't I think be, again that's, that's the guy quite luckily you, you did have other options yeah. You were doing other things. Luck, yeah, very You lucky, gave yourself man. that opportunity. You know, through school, you decided, I'm going to do this education thing. Yeah. And through fucking dickhead nicking your cap and then making, you know, empty promises after, you decided not to be cool with it and just like, I'm going to hang out all the time. No, you, you gave yourself options. And that's what made that graffiti career so strong, really, because you were backed by other things. Yeah. It wasn't the only thing. Yeah, Thank man. God it wasn't. And it was never going to be, man. No, and that's brilliant. Even, like, consciously, when I was getting into it, I was like... No, it sounded like forever, it. forever, man. Yeah, it's well, it forever. just... The fact that... I, put, I think I might have been waiting for... Started writing. So, yeah, my, you know, grades went down. I got full into the graph. And I, I thought that was the story. <laughs> nah. Brilliant. I'm re- nah. It's really fucking great to hear different. Definitely. I was I was so proud. I still am, man. Proud Good. of being academic and, and doing well. Definitely yeah, push that because that, that's the shit we need to push. Yeah. yeah Listen, brother. Thank you very much. Yeah, safe. Thank really you, man. Thanks for having me. Martin. Well, that was dope. What an open and honest conversation, eh? I really admire the way Marcus has managed to separate his world in the graffiti culture from his everyday life in a really clear and succinct way. They never interfered with each other. Apart from the runners with the law and Saysell's drive to make an example of him in his magazine, he's done amazing, man. He's done great at education, his work ethic, second to none. And as I talk about in the interview, he's part of an elite group of graffiti writers. That train painting mentality is nothing to be sniffed at. Big up Marcus for getting there. Oh, and the kid that hit him with a plastic sword on his first day in London, after Croydon, they became best mates. Well look, Marcus does loads, and I mean loads, and he has done for many years. He's just written a book called Around the World in 80 Record Stores. Go and get it, it's fucking dope. And also check out his Instagram, as I mentioned earlier, at mgoldenbarns, where you'll find a wide array of music and travel-related goodness. And check his graffiti Insta, at puno.1, P-U-N-O, full stop, O-N-E, where he puts old and new photos of him and his crew's work. He writes regularly for Mixmag, as I say, and I'm sure if you search his name, you'll find loads of other bits. Another great story for the archive, Art Wins Again, Remember, love your city and love your culture. Rest in peace, Veco. Rest in peace, that's it. Rest in peace, pal. Rest in peace, mood. And all the rest of you, man. Peace. This is F24.